0: Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the First Word Podcast. I'm here, I'm sorry, my name is Alex, and I'm here with my co-host Mike. Mike. (laughs) Who's there somewhere. Hey. Um, And uh, we're excited for a uh, full-on big-time discussion today about the movie that has broken all records, Avengers Infinity War, the latest Marvel Studios movie after 10 years of Marvel movies, and I think this is the 19th Marvel movie. Um, and I'm excited also because we have two guests on today, because we're going to do what I would like to, to call a Avengers Infinity War style, uh, as many guests as we can get, which, you know, is too reasonably. Um, so our guest today, uh, our first guest is one that we've had on before, uh, Aman, who um, is an entertainment journalist from London. And he talked to us about Black Panther before. And he's been, as he's been telling me now, uh, impatiently waiting a week to talk about this. So thank you for coming on, Amon.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And our next guest uh, is Alicia Krauso, who is also an entertainment journalist. She's based in Los Angeles. And um, she is freelancing right now for a number of major awesome outlets. And I'm very excited to have her on for the first time on our podcast. So thank you for joining us, Alicia.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, And yeah, you guys have been... uh... Okay, first question for you guys. How many times have you seen the movie? I've seen it twice. I've seen it. Mike's seen it twice. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I've seen it twice, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I want to go again uh, some night this week. I was just kind of waiting for the, the crowds to quiet down so I could go and really kind of immerse myself.
3: Okay. Man, man I
2: feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I only seen it once. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> you know what? Ma- But you know, Iman,
0: I will admit that it was my fault you didn't see the second time because we scheduled this podcast during the time you were supposed
1: to go see it for your second time. This is true. I will be watching it right now if it weren't for Alex Billington. I'll never forgive (laughs) you for this. No, um, but uh, yeah, Uh, no, I, I will I'll be watching it at least a couple more times, uh, uh, in on the big screen for sure.
4: I will say that, what's nice about the second time after you talk about it with people. Is And I'm sure you've had many discussions about it already with your friends, Amon. But, like, what I always like about movies, the big tent poles like this, is I'll talk to Alex for the days after the first screening of it, or the day or two, and just, like, just blast ideas and thoughts and all this random, completely unorganized stuff, and we'll kind of refine it and figure out what we each think each other should look for the second time around, because... I mean, these movies are so packed that you can kind of go back a second time and find new things and then do it the third time and fourth and fifth and probably always find new things. But when you talk about it ad nauseum, you sort of pile up a best hits of the things that you should look for and it makes the second viewing so much more enjoyable. Maybe not more enjoyable. depends what you want out of the movie. But it's just it's a totally different experience when you start looking in the nooks and crannies of a movie like this.
1: I'm a I'm a big sort of fan of film scores, and I've uh, I've sort of listened to the film score in isolation for this movie since watching it, and I can't wait to watch the movie again and really sort of see, listen for how the score sort of um, integrates with the movie. Because you want as much as I sort of love that aspect of movie making, everything that's going on on screen. I was so immersed and sort of concentrating on all of that that I wasn't wasn't paying as much attention as I normally do to that aspect. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other stuff I'll pick up on rewatches watches too. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think uh, my favorite thing on second viewings, especially of Marvel films, is that um, we tend to think these movies as spectacle, and they are, but something that Marvel does so well is the the characters. Yes. and And so I'm a big fan of the, the little things that the actors do, the little choices they make. And so I had... Almost as much fun the second time watching it because there were lines that I missed the first time, and then little, you know, like gestures or facial expressions, and that really kind of made the characters come. Like I, I have to say, Tom Holland as Peter Parker, his facial expressions and his reactions to things are incredible. Um, and the 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 first scene with Loki, like Tom Hiddleston acted the heck. Are we allowed to swear by the way on this podcast? Yeah, you can say I mean, you don't can... say
4: everything <laughs> okay. in the book. Yes, yeah, so okay.
2: don't drop, don't drop like 100
4: F bombs in a row don't, and spread okay. them out. I
2: was just going to say I was just going to say that Tom Hiddleston acted the hell out of that scene because he went through a whole range of emotions and like tied up his whole um, you know, kind of tied up all of his loose ends in that that one scene. So I always like going back and looking at kind of what the actors are doing and the the little choices they're making that really bring those characters to life.
4: And I really like just watching the people. Like Especially especially the second time around I went mm-hmm. by myself. Um, the second time I was like, okay, I know these are the scenes that people get rowdy for. And especially, especially when they arrive at Wakanda for the first time and you start hearing that familiar... <laughs> beat in the background and uh, and it's uh, so uh, yeah uh, it's so fresh uh, for people and like you can if people half the audience people in the in the room just start kind of dancing and they get excited they lean in in their seats and i know that's probably it's not going to die down but it's probably you know a little bit amped up because of how close to this film that was released but It's just like there's an energy in the room when they get to Wakanda. And actually, I would say when they introduce Guardians of the Galaxy, too. And you can just sort of people are like, oh, these are my favorite people. And it's kind of fun to, to watch that happen. And then also just to bask yourself in the silence of the end of the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to jump ahead here, but like I think the most
0: consistent thing is the end of the movie. The audience I've seen it with every time is just dead silent. And like they I... sit there they sit there almost impatiently waiting for the end credit scene just to be like what is it going to show? Like what have we just seen? What are we waiting for?
2: I have been to every single Marvel movie in theaters opening weekend some more than once and I have never been to a Marvel movie. And this is kind of consistent. So it's a sentiment I'm seeing like all over like Twitter and stuff, is yeah. that there's never been a Marvel movie where people have just been silent walking out. Like everybody's like in their own heads just like processing what they've seen or just up in their grief and just trying to like make sense of it all.
1: Yeah. Well I mean the, the movie has got some interesting touches in that regard. I mean I think this is the first Marvel movie that I can remember. Normally, when the credits start, so sort of the first round of the credits, they're colorful. They they got sort of you know they're they're doing something interesting like right? the first sort of minute or so of the credits. And the credits for this film are just immediately dark, just credits all the way through. You know, very simple, just the names of you know all the people who worked on it. That sort of thing, you know, we don't really see typically from a Marvel movie. They they know sort of how dark and you know heavy this film is, even the start of the movie. There's no, uh, you know, typical Marvel fanfare music, which mm-hmm. is actually a callback to the. Oh, it's actually a callback so to the first so Avengers. Happy they about don't. That. I I love that. I love that normal movies. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I don't. You don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's actually a callback to the first Avengers because they don't have a fanfare yeah. in that as well. Um, and, and they use the same font for the titles and all that sort of stuff as well. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, it's it was very sort of interesting being. Uh, even in even in the the criti- critical audience that I was in, and, you know, when when it comes to these films, actually, I, I I think when it comes to these films, the critics act more like uh, fans and mm-hmm. more like the public. I mean, to, I've been to plenty of critic screenings where it's just like silent even even when you know something really exciting is happening on the screen just silence nobody's reacting this wasn't that everyone was really really into it which was really really cool because um, that's I, not the way it was in germany <laughs> but
0: continue. oh what no um, but, okay
2: but you're in germany though i lived there for a year and germans are very different in how they know, view their know. movies it's, know. it was a very weird experience seeing movies there for like a year i was like Come on, you can,
0: oh, you're all been... German.
2: Okay, cool, no one, you're no one very had, German. No one had
0: any emotions at all, and I was really sad. What? Second-like.
1: I know, I was not a cheer, not a clap, nothing. Oh my, I would've been the loudest person in that room by I know. far, I and I, I wouldn't have cared.
0: I wish I would've seen it with you, Ivan.
1: I, <laughs> I, I, I should've gone to London and seen it with them,
0: but no. Yeah, I, you could've I, been my I
2: plus actually, one. I actually got to see it uh, at the El Capitan here in Hollywood. So, same place they had the premiere and everything. So they had all the props, all the stuff set up, and it was, you know, preview night. And they were like giving stuff away, and it was like cosplayers, like people. were, I went with a group of nineteen people, so we rolled deep, and it was a madhouse because it was the same place of premiere, you know, right in Hollywood, and you know, the Disney's theater. And so it was, it was amazing. But I missed a fair portion of the lines because I, I just couldn't hear it. <laughs> just did not stop cheering and screaming and like hollering the entire time. Or like just being super thirsty. Like we had a ton of thirsty, like the minute Bucky showed up, you heard like oh, yeah. all these women and like a c- bunch of guys like, yeah, boy, you know, like, and so <laughs> like, cool, oh, that's man. how this is gonna be. Like, whatever, I'm just here for the ride.
1: Now people, people in my life, we I we- mean, Obviously I went nuts for when, when, when they went to Wakanda. Oh my goodness. I was doing I think I did the Wakanda forever since about three times during the movie. Um <laughs> and um I mean we're gonna get to it. This I mean I've I've talked to Alex about this already, but when Thor and Rocket and Groot landed Wakanda and when Thor just God, decimated, yeah. I went nuts. The entire cinema went nuts. It was oh it was also one of the best sort of cinema phases of my life. It was so awesome, um, but that scene in particular—again, I'm skipping ahead—but that scene, it's it's Infinity War's version of the circular shot in Avengers Assemble, and the mm-hmm. film knows it. It's the only time where Anna Silvestri's theme is really, really beefed up. And again, I've been I've been waiting to see that Thor for seven years. Yeah, it was worth the wait. It was, oh, I, they, it was amazing.
2: They all leveled up their powers a lot. Yes, everyone leveled up. It was great. We'll yeah. See, the only one that. The, the only, the one character that I've ever gotten, like, kind of mad that they've never really fully explored his powers, or, like, they kind of started to in, like, the very first Thor movie, is Loki. I feel like they've always concentrated more on his character than his powers, but it they've never fully explored, like, how powerful he is in his own right, which, but I guess, and that's why I, you know, you mentioned that opening scene. They went kind of right for the jugular with that opening scene, and... One of my friends was saying, he's like, oh, I hope it's not another fake out. He doesn't come back, you know, for like the last couple of times he was supposedly killed. And I said, yeah, but I don't think he is because what better way to show that Thanos is the ultimate big bad than to kill the unkillable God? Loki cannot be killed. And Thanos just easily like snuffs him out. And and it's a God saying to another being who wants to be a god that you'll never be a god and then he kills that god so like it's it's a whole layered thing that i don't think there was any other character that he could have killed necessarily that would have had the same kind of symbolic impact mm-hmm. right from the start
0: if, if you're already if you're already listening to this point of the show you know we're already going to be discussing Sorry. spoilers but no 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 no, it's fine honestly <laughs> honestly, this, honestly is a, this is a
4: full-on because somebody, obviously my yeah, bad. if somebody's ready to commit <laughs> an hour and a half to uh, a podcast about Avengers before they see right. it, I don't give a shit if they f- didn't realize there were going to be spoilers. <laughs> plus,
0: plus Loki's the first, uh, no, he's the second death. So he's in the very, yeah. like, opening scene yeah. anyway. <laughs> but, um,
2: oh, and I loved, I mean, but he had, like, and give them credit for knowing the character so well, and, and and giving them enough time. Because again, that was just one scene, but man, that was a hell of a scene for Hiddleston, like his exit scene. He covered, he tied up every loose end with uh, accepting Odin as his father, accepting that he was a Jotun, you know, with grace instead of anger, for finally being the one to save his brother. And then also the callback, the we have a Hulk line, like that was just mm-hmm. so well-timed. Nice. Yeah. And it was so great that he was the one that finally got to say it, so it was like, there were like half a dozen different things that came full circle and that loop closed for Loki. And I just thought it was a really well-written scene. Um, And it was, you know, I, Loki's my boy and I love him. I felt really bad, but I've been preparing for this emotionally. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll accept this.
4: I will allow this. Can I, can I make one criticism about Loki though? No. His I mean
2: I'll fight you, but it's fine.
4: His sideburns have gotten progressively more fake with each each movie.
2: His his hair, yeah. Remember when he just had like the kind of the shorter, like kind of slick back hair in the first Thor movie? And then he's just gotten like yeah he, the he's, he's like, look like the next the movie Velcro. He, he would look like yeah the next movie he would have looked like uh his character in only lovers left alive i feel like and at one point in <laughs> the dark world when he was all distraught after frigga's death he kind of did so i was like are they using the same wig like what's what's happening
4: well well, well I... one of the things that that sort of spurred this converse, this part of the podcast was whether or not we'd all seen it multiple times and before we get too too into the movie um, Alex and I have been talking about this and it's something we're just kind of curious about. Well, first of all, um, uh, Aman and Alicia, what formats did you see it in?
2: IMAX. I did not see it in IMAX. Uh, El Capitan does not uh, offer an IMAX and then I went again, just like I did a movie pass and just went to see it normally. But I, the next time I go see it, I want to see it in IMAX, I think. Okay.
4: Well, it'll be interesting to, to get your perspective since you'll see it now in IMAX. After this conversation, but Alex, you saw it first and you were expecting the traditional IMAX um, aspect ratio and we didn't get it. And it was like, um, I understand that aspect ratios do not equate to the IMAX experience for many people. But when you go, you see Mission Impossible, you see Dunkirk, you see Dark Knight, whatever, anything that's really all about the IMAX experience you get that aspect ratio that's tall, and it's like an uh, incredible experience. You you become a part of the movie. And I saw the movie first in regular format, and then I went and saw it in IMAX. And any time I've ever done that for a movie with IMAX cameras, I feel like I saw a different movie. I did not get that feeling this time at all. The aspect yeah. ratio was only marginally bigger. The only thing, and I was looking for it the whole movie, the only thing that happened in that in those margins that didn't exist in the traditional um aspect ratio was in the beginning when um wong closes his little circle thing and the little spark hits the ground um it's called a
2: sling ring thank you (laughs) that's why
4: we need you
0: Yeah, Mike. I'm. This is. uh, Yeah. I just want to get out of the way because it's like I hate to rant on this, but um, like it's just because they kept like marketing it as the, you know, one of the first or possibly the first film shot entirely with IMAX cameras, and I was like, okay, great. This is like I love IMAX full-on format. Like if that's what you're presenting, give it to us. And I guess the full format is like one four three to one. And this was like, as you said, because uh, I uh, the the IMAX cinema here in Berlin where I live is the full IMAX, and it started and I saw the black bars on the top and bottom. I'm like, okay, this isn't right, is it? And that's just how it presented it, like like tiny black bars, but they were still there. And I and like you, Mike, I was wanting that full experience, and I was a little bit let down by just like, come on, you're this is supposedly shot with IMAX cameras. Why is it not the IMAX that I know from Christopher Nolan? <laughs> dare I drop that name in this podcast, but like, yeah, that's what I wanted and that's what I was expecting. And it was a little bit frustrating because especially when they're marketing it and pitching it that way, like, I don't know. I, and I guess the, the, for those wondering the explanation is that the actual IMAX cameras they use now, which are digital IMAX cameras are, are the format designed for, um, and I'm going to use this cause I think it's correct. The LIMAX format, which is the uh, slightly smaller digital screens that IMAX started installing that are not full IMAX screens. And they still haven't been over been able to get over this marketing branding fiasco, but they that that's what they're presenting it for. That's what they shot it for, that's what they designed it for those different screens, not the uh, few remaining full IMAX aspect ratio screens. And, and but it's in, like
4: that in defense of it, um, the quality of what's yeah. in the frame is is incredible. And I and I I agree with you that aspect ratio is a big part of it, a part of the experience. Um, to me sound is equal to that experience IMAX theaters are only second to the Dolby Atmos experience and y- you know when you watch the screen there's only a very small percentage of people who actually care about image quality <laughs> but I do
2: They're called film critics well film critics and filmmakers <laughs> right
4: I mean it's it's when you see the imagery crisp, Looking good, really, really high quality. You can feel it, and and I, I, the best example for anybody who wants to, who's, who's curious, what it looks like when something looks really fucking good. This the moment when the uh, when Vision's gem explodes, is shot on what seems to be high speed cameras, phantoms or something, and it looks so good. And mm-hmm. uh, on top of that, you know, you just have all these details that are included in the framing, but I I wish that it was the tall aspect ratio. It would have been cool. It would have felt huge, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not too upset about it, but it would have been what,
2: nice. Uh, what cameras did they film this one with? Because I know they made a big deal with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 about being the first feature film to be shot on the, the new RED cameras, and I thought Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was, like the first one, was just visually gorgeous um and i thought it, i i well
4: they use something the with
2: inf- okay because something with infinity war that i was surprised by is sometimes when you have movies uh tentpoles where there's just so much going on especially when there's so much cgi it looks uh muddled like the action can get really kind of hard to follow on the screen and I felt like there was a lot of clarity with this and it was just really crisp and, and clear. Um, so I was really kind of pleased with how they managed to lay the action out so that it just didn't kind of become like just a kind of muddled blur on your screen, but you could still follow individual. I, I don't know if I'm explaining that correct. Am I making sense or am I just not making sense?
4: <laughs> I know what you mean. The yeah. general like, um, um, what's it? Oh shit! The, um, the long frame that gets squeezed in, uh, anamorphic. Yeah, yeah. The the anamorphic look is yeah. like traditional, and you really get that blurred edging, and you get these kinds of interesting feel. But it's really more reserved for intimate and indie kind of films. But when you think about like they use the Re sixty five millimeter. Well, it's not millimeter, but it mimics the millimeter. Uh. Framing, And so they didn't shoot it in IMAX format, they shot it with IMAX cameras, and that's a very different thing. And so it's really all about like latitude and lighting and, and exposure and stuff, which makes for a better experience, but is much less tangible for people who aren't already looking for it. I, I do find it to be always very interesting to talk about these things because n- while people don't generally care, they know the difference. And I think it's to be expected of a movie like this that they use a camera that's never been used before. But it just was a harder sell than to say, like, Michael Bay saying, I'm shooting on handheld 3D cameras, check it out. Or, uh, you know, uh, whatever, IMAX 70 millimeter from Chris Nolan and stuff. One one other thing before we now, you know, hopefully we'll quickly get into the movie itself that I noticed that I really want to bring up that pissed me off was... Oh, boy. (laughs) um
2: stand back and i
4: by the way alicia i'm not usually this combative but i'm not getting (laughs) this this is
2: you've seen me on twitter this is not combative i'm like by the way you 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 just
4: followed me on twitter which means that you're not focused okay I need you.
2: Just, I need you in the game. I'm a woman. Uh, I need you I'm in a the woman game. So I can <laughs> I don't know what you men do, but I'm a woman, so I can multitask.
4: Well, I followed you back while I was talking, so I feel like we're on the same. page. I saw that. Um,
2: <laughs> and but, I just realized that, uh, Amon, I just realized that we've been following each other for ages. I'm like, oh wait, okay, yeah, I do know you. We do follow yeah, each other.
1: But you wish me a happy birthday. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one, no one just followed me.
4: I'm sad. <laughs> You're old news, I've been Alex. I didn't follow you.
0: I know. Um, That's to that, uh, continue.
4: So, so there's a scene, pivotal scene, Gamora's talking to Thanos right before she gets thrown off the cliff. Spoiler. Uh, by the way, there is somebody in the room who has not seen the movie who doesn't says he doesn't care, but um, and it's uh, the guy recording the audio from my side.
2: Well, I am judging oh. him because how can you not care?
4: <laughs> he has kids. I, um, I, when um. When Gamora's having that conversation, there's a a moment where her hair is like blowing in the wind and she's having a very impassioned moment where she's really just giving him all she has emotionally. And her cheekbones are erasing (laughs) because of um, some kind of lackadaisical CGI moment. They just is literally just disappearing because of the, the masking was not done very well. And I was really distracted by this. It was very odd, and I was like telling people about it. Look for this, please, because I can't believe my eyes. And
2: look for this so I can ruin the scene for you too. Well, yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, well, I wasn't. I was trying not to tell too many people, but but what what ended up happening was I went to the IMAX movie, and it wasn't there. So I don't. I I need to find out from somebody else if this was my imagination or like for some reason a different. Delivery of the film, but I did nobody else notice any weird like moments like that happening. I thought the CGI was damn good actually. Yeah,
2: I didn't. And normally, bad CGI is something that really takes me out of a movie. Like, I the one scene that uh kind of made me cringe a little bit, and I think this is just a (sighs) he's my favorite, but a superhero, but I think it's just a problem with his character in general is um Spider Man. The scene where he jumps out of the bus and he's swinging across the water, I thought that scene was really, I didn't like the CGI in that scene, I just thought it looked really fake and substantial. Um, But considering how many characters there were, how many crazy effects there were, how much was going on in the movie, I thought that the CGI was surprisingly good and it's usually something I absolutely notice and that will take me out of it if it's bad.
1: I thought the CGI was pristine. Especially coming off the back of Black Panther where the CGI was so-so in many respects. Um, I thought the CGI was pristine. Iron Man's armor, that's slick and very cool. Obviously the CGI on Thanos was incredible. Um, And yeah, there's so many as Alicia notes, there's so many characters who do things that are not able to be done sort of practically and for, for them to be you know, Oh, in a movie of this scale, and uh, all the way through, I think, it's, I think it's quite the accomplishment. I think I think I think there are about like four different VFX companies who worked on this as well, right? It's yeah, insane. I
0: mentioned that on Twitter. It's like it's like all the major VFX houses: ILM, oh. Weta, um, Double Negative, and Framestore all did work. And I would love to see like a, a full on breakdown where, like, Absolutely. I imagine. I imagine Weta was doing Thanos because Thanos must have been a specific thing on its own. Like I was consistently yeah. impressed by Thanos. And then there's all the background stuff which is probably ILM and Framestore. And then every, you know, and then there's full-on space scenes with spaceships that are also probably a mix of Framestore and double negative, but it's like unbelievably impressive collaboration amongst all, all four of the major VFX houses, which is obvious uh, for this movie. Yeah.
2: I always wonder about that too. Like which effects houses do exactly which effects because I always, like if I'm watching a movie and there's a particular effect that isn't quite up to par, I'm like, Ooh, who did that? They dropped the ball. Like they were the weak link. Like who, who screwed that one up? But
0: it's also gotta be a timing thing, you know, by the time they shoot and then have what two, two and a half hours of footage to, to render over, you know, whatever amount of time they have to deliver it by deadline, which Disney has for them to have to be done. And it's like, I know. I, I'm sure the VFX houses would say we would love it if we had six more months of render time on all of this, but they
4: they don't. Well, I was thinking halfway through my comment, I'm just gonna delete this part because um, I realize it's kind of petty and dumb, and no one else would care. But now you guys had such nice things to say about the CGI. No, Mike, that 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 I'm gonna a good, keep it.
3: That was a good
1: comment. <laughs> No, I'm like no. I,
4: that was something I was going to say that I failed to look for <laughs> that you told me to look
0: for as I totally forgot about it cuz I was more intrigued by um red skull in that scene and like what's going on and that's red skull, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, leave it leave it in because this these are these are the reasons why people come to this podcast. They come for the hard-hitting facts and, For mike's, and the mike's
4: hard criticisms of, of yeah. tiny oh. cgi moments well um yeah well it's by the way speaking of red skull skull i was like i had forgotten about him as probably everybody did when he was talking i was like holy shit they got Werner herzog in this movie i love it and and, <laughs> then, and then and then and then he revealed himself and i was like oh but that's cool I,
2: thought it was aiden gillen at first like i which was funny because there was a rumor going around at least when i when movie pilot used to be a thing we had a bunch of fans that had um contributors that had the theory that red skull would come back and i was like that's dumb they're like yeah but he just disappeared in the tesseract we don't actually know where he went i was like oh no okay you're right but then when he came on i couldn't tell who it was at first and i was like is that aiden gillen because it sounded almost like Aiden Gitlin, are like, no, it's not. But he was the only voice I could like think of. Um, but it's the dude from, uh, was it Walking Dead or whatever?
1: Yeah, Khan. I was completely yeah. convinced it was Hugo Weaving. Um, well, that's what uh, I thought because he was the original. Yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah no, yeah. but
2: he was. There was no way he was. He hated it. You could tell the voice is different, and he, like, I would have been floored if it had been Hugo Weaving because he absolutely did not have a good time doing mm. that movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now I mean I I wasn't thinking that sort of in the in the moment I was thinking it was Hugo, even but obviously afterwards you're completely right. Um yeah cuz he he was he was bad talking it as he was still making it, right?
3: Mhm.
1: Yeah, wow. not cool. Um we all liked it, right? There's no there's no one here that didn't like the movie. I mean
0: varying degrees of love cuz I I'm probably the only one who would say that I have reservations on it. Like I don't oh, love I have- love it, but like it, 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 I, I don't know. Even the second time around, I enjoyed it more, but I didn't... And I and this is something we can talk about, is the whole idea that it's part one of a part two and that it yeah. feels like, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot of the scenes, the comedy I thought was the best, but I didn't love it. It's not my favorite Marvel movie, but, I mean, in general, we all liked it, at least, as far as I know. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, Go. you guys, yeah.
4: you guys
1: go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Alicia. You're yours.
2: I... I loved it, uh, but I definitely walked out of it a little conflicted because, again, you don't walk out of it like uplifted like you do with most Marvel films. I walked out just really like, huh, huh, okay. I don't I don't know what I'm feeling right now. So it took me a little while to kind of think about it. But honestly, I think that this movie was never about tying up loose ends. This movie was about getting the gang together for the first time. And there were so many moments where I didn't care that maybe the narrative wasn't going where I thought it would or that, okay, this is another question that's not going to be answered. I was just happy to see, you know, Bucky Barnes pick up Rocket and then do the spinning around, you know, shooting (laughs) move. Like, I was like, that's what I came to this movie to see. I came to the movie to see Drax you know, Peter Quill having like insecurity issues or Spider-Man, like nerding out with Peter Quill about pop culture references like that. Mm. I got all of that. And I think I always knew that this was never going to this is always going to be like the first part of a two parter because there's no way you tell the story of Infinity War and Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet in one movie. Yeah. So um, so I understand why people thought it felt unfinished. But for me personally, like I knew that going into it. So I was fine with that.
1: Yeah, now I really, really liked it. Um, and, you know, luckily, there's, there's no film or franchise right now for me uh, which just pumps me full of awe and joy like an MCU film does, especially an MCU film of this scale. And I came as well for the goosebump-inducing moments. I remember the way I felt the first time I saw that circular shot um, in... Uh, Avengers Assemble watching that movie for the first time and I wanted to feel that way again and I felt that way I think at least twice watching this movie so on that level as a success I don't think it's the best film in the MCU um, and again I do have my reservations on it um, similar to what uh, Alicia alluded to um, because even though sort of the deaths of the, some of the characters in the final 15 minutes which I'm sure we're going to get into in more detail they are impactful in the moment. You know, as soon as the credits start rolling, you start to think, you know, the critical sort of, you know, and, um, knowledge and, the, and also the knowledge of sort of, you know, future Marvel movie starts coming like, okay, well, that guy's coming back and this guy's coming back. And that sort of nullifies how you're feeling about the final 15 minutes after you watch the film, at least it did for me. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see
4: it again. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of fun. That's what like. I always... That's what always gets me. Is the the idea that a movie can't kill somebody if you know something beyond what happens in the movie. And we can't change that fact. We can't change the fact that we all know Spider-Man has a movie, Black Panther will have a sequel, Doctor Strange. All these people are going to come back in some other movie. But... I, I long answer short I loved this movie. I really really enjoyed it the first time. But it was after the second viewing that I really felt all in on it. Like I I honestly I I, I can make no comment towards feeling frustrated or disappointed by any of the choices they made. And the main reason is because <clears throat> the main reason is because we don't know how it ends. And I know that that's not necessarily how everybody f- thinks about these films. And and some people feel, well, that's not fair to the movie if it requires the sequel to close the loop. But I actually feel like my experience was was improved, was better by the fact that I was left with that sensation you only get with television. This doesn't happen in movies anymore. They don't leave cliffhangers. It just never happens. And the fact that I know that these characters are not dead, 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 it doesn't change anything for me because I never saw them as people that were going to die. Like, I, you don't see this in cinema. It doesn't happen. And it's not because they don't have the, the balls to do it. It's because it's not it's, it's not necessary. People love these characters. So if you're going to kill a Cap or you're going to kill an Iron Man or you're going to kill a character who, obviously, these are the ones that didn't quote-unquote die... Why not create a new way of doing it? Do an alternate universe where they are now there and we are gonna move on to this one or 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 put them in some kind of other situation that hasn't been done before? because honestly, killing characters is boring to me. It's not exciting Ugh. it's it's like it's it's actually <laughs> it more predictable than it's more predictable than what I think they're gonna do with this and I and that's why, When I went, after the first viewing, I went back and I watched Doctor Strange. Actually, no, after the second one, I went back and I watched Doctor Strange thinking, I feel like there's a lot in that movie that is um, going to really define where the Marvel Universe is going in movies. And I actually, I really strongly believe that now. And we can touch on this a little more later, because the question was, did you like the movie? And and and, straight to the end, and I did. And the reason I liked it was because, although people watch The Last Jedi and think, "Oh wow, they they bucked the status quo, they did it so different," I actually thought this did the same thing in a different way. It, it, It was very unpredictable to me in how things went down. We never saw Iron Man and Captain America in the same room, in the same scene. They're not together in the whole movie, and the way that they balanced all these different places and instead of having two characters fighting here and two characters fighting here 80 times they had 80 characters fighting here and 80 here and it gave us moments that everybody wanted like everybody wants an all female marvel movie that's what they that's what we all we want to yes. see that and when when they go in that trench and they have this this beat where you're like where the filmmakers are like take a look cuz this is all women fighting right now and everybody in the, in the room feels it, too. There's, like, this other excitement that happens. And then it's a kick-ass fight. Like, everything they did, they nailed it. And they did things that people wanted, and then they did things that people didn't expect. And I think they satisfied every craving that anybody had in this movie, including killing people, just not the way people wanted it.
2: I think people didn't quite fully get that, yes, there's a new class of Marvel superheroes that are up and coming you have Black Panther you've Shuri you have Captain Marvel's on the way you've uh Spider-Man you know uh the Wasp Batman, and the Wasp even Doctor Str- Strange but I don't like it, it's it, the end game is happening in Avengers 4 and it, like you said we didn't see Iron Man and Cap in the last movie together because their reconciliation their reunion will happen in number four and it's th- these movies are about saying goodbye to the original avengers cast as much as they are bringing the new ones up like they're gonna they're coming they're gonna like they're getting their movies no matter what this is about saying goodbye to that original core group who built the marvel cinematic universe the last decade like so it's as much a send-off and a thank you to them i think as it is setting up. In fact, I would say it's more of a close than it is, uh, you know, the start of something new because after Avengers four, they've said multiple times, like we are, they're not doing this huge interconnected, like the, the scope of it's going to change. So why not wait until Avengers four and get, you know what, if they want to, you know, uh, kind of do a little bit of service and fan service to Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and all the, you know, Scarlett Johansson, all the original Avengers, I'm fine with that. They've earned it. Like, So I, I, yeah, I think people went in, I I think it's suffering from maybe a little bit of the, the last Jedi problem. People went into it with their own preconceived notions because I've been making fan theories about it for years. And when what they thought would happen, didn't happen, they felt a little betrayed or let down. And it doesn't mean it wasn't a good movie and it doesn't mean it wasn't executed. Well, it just means it wasn't done in the way they thought it was going to happen. But then I think people will come around to it like after second viewing um, I had a friend that did the same. We walked out of Last Jedi the first night. He was, like, devastated, and I told him, I was like, I think if you go back and watch it a second time, you'll like it better, because your preconceived notions won't be in the way, and he did, and he was like, you're absolutely right. He's like, I loved it this time, and I feel like that might happen with this movie.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. Um, just, I think Marvel played into it a little bit with their trailers and sort of the teasing of sort of big yeah. confrontations, all that sort of stuff. That's the thing which is a little bit frustrating. And also, you know, I went into this, you know, finally Avengers, Infinity, with, with all the sort of cop-outs that Marvel have done in the past, you know, the sense of finality, um, I did think we were going to get at least some of that with this movie. Um, so the fact, I mean, again, I, I agree with everything you just said about sort of waiting for Avengers like, for me. I love these characters as well. I want to see as much of them as possible. I'm going to miss them when they're gone, etc. But I was expecting... Now I went into this expecting at least one of the big guys to go, um, so get maybe even you know, when I watch it a second time. You know, now that I know it's gonna happen, I'll I'll, I'll you know that that won't be as that 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 won't be as much of a problem for me. But
4: yeah, but can I, just, I ask I, you? I wanna, what, can I ask you a question? Ahead. Then look, like, how would a character die that would make you feel finality? Because even Gamora's death. Could very well be reversed in some way and should not be, should because look uh, plot the plot the implementation of the plot in someone's death is probably the only way I can think somebody's death would have value and finality.
1: It, yeah, the actual Alicia, death
4: is irrelevant. The way they die. But Alicia explained at the beginning how how
0: Loki's death was very nicely. Uh, and and smartly written and executed as a nice finality for his character. And of course, that's a more minor character, but nonetheless, like that they can do it. And Mike, I know you have Iron Man as a as a point of contention, but sorry, I wanted to let Aman continue because this question
4: was for him. Well, Alex, this was where you and I butt heads. I mean, <laughs> only uh, in brief discussion, but yeah, yeah. But like, I I think about what the movie was uh, about and I see the frustration. It, the I think what really pisses people off or, or gets them confused or frustrated is the fact that those deaths, they did not see that those deaths coming when they kept hearing throughout the whole movie, half of the universe is going to get wiped out. They were thinking innocent civilians. No one's thinking, Oh shit. That also means half the people I'm looking at are going to get wiped out. And, and I, and I, so I think until they started seeing them fading away, it, it was, it blew their minds, and and then I think the silence and the reactions of the characters is just all so new and so fresh and different, but also very poetic and beautiful, and that's why I'm so happy they did it this way. Because, yeah, look, I would have been pumping my fists if Thanos, like, chopped off Captain America's head. And held it up Jesus. like like braveheart yeah. or Dude. something look, you know, whoa, too
3: much.
4: <laughs> i mean look a violent psychotic death by a supervillain is awesome but but how much more powerful is it to see a guy like thanos who's a brute strength looking kind of guy who's actually the most emotional character i think they've ever put in a marvel movie and the most spiritual and sits at the end of the movie and looks back at what he's done, and has like it. It all has a Killmonger vibe to it. Like they're finally figuring out how to make their villains complex and want something that we can all understand. We don't have to relate I'm, to it, but we we can understand. we understand it.
2: genocide I'm, though? What? <laughs> can we understand genocide though?
4: Genocide is 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 one way of, of putting it, uh, and accurate, <laughs> but but. <laughs> But I don't mean to say I don't I think conflating understanding something with just understanding why he thought it was good. And that's what we don't get a lot in movies. Like he really thought he was creating balance. And he wasn't he's not creating balance by eliminating people with no justif no justice. There's no reason behind it. That's just genocide, like you said.
2: And here's the thing too, like a lot of people are mad because these deaths won't stick, you know, so to speak. But but the thing is, the the characters don't know that, and so I don't think that like one of the most heart, uh, possibly the most heartbreaking scene in any Marvel movie, maybe outside of like Steve and Peggy, you know, when he's uh, uh, sacrificing himself in the first Avenger. Yeah, um, is the scene is Spider Man and the whole concept of this kid, this this sixteen year old kid who, because of a spider sense, knows what's happening to him, can feel himself fading away, being unmade on this alien planet, without his aunt, without anybody he loves. And then they call back the 10th Doctor's regeneration line, and I was just like, oh, that is just cruel. But that that scene with Spider-Man, like, everybody was horrified, in my theater at least, and then the camera panned to Spider-Man, you saw the look on his face, and the entire audience just went, no, like you can't do this. And but yep, they did it. They killed our little baby Spider-Man, and he every step of the way you felt it with him. And that to me is probably possibly like the most heartbreaking scene in any Marvel movie to date. And the 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 emotional impact of that is not lessened because you know he has another movie coming out. Because in that moment, he's a 16 year old kid. He doesn't know. You know, he's a character. So if people are paying attention to this for the characters and not necessarily for what is coming next, their fan theory, then I think it, I don't think the emotional impact is lessened at all by, by knowing that most of them, some of them might come back. I do think they could have used more
4: of that though. And, and it was, it was really, it was so beautiful. Like I legit was crying and, and then I start thinking back, like I do wish they had, done more of that like Black Panther just kind of T'Challa just kind of goes and the and I I understand shock I understand what shock does to a person but but um it was just like they just watched people turn into the environment around them which is also something we should discuss but like Quill you know ah damn like (laughs) that was kind of not even in character to me for him, even if he's kind of a goofball. I, I, I just kind of feel like there were a lot of missed opportunities to make even more emotion out of that scene, if not from the people dying, from the people watching people dissolve into nothing and wondering if they're next. Which didn't really it happen. kind
2: of worked for me because I feel like at that point, they kind of felt like we felt, which was just kind of emotionally wrung out, like what the hell is happening now? Mm, yeah. Whereas it it I think the the reaction to some of them might not have even been because again the theory was the reason why spider-man had the reaction he did is because he was the only one who knew what was happening the rest of them were just like what the hell is going on like what is this shit?" now Hmm. spider-man was the only one because of his spider sense that knew what was happening that knew he was dying that he was being unmade essentially um and so i think those kind of like like Star-Lord's like, oh shit, you know, or whatever. Like, it was kind of like, that to me was a very Star-Lord where it's just kind of like, oh hell, like what now? Um, so I I think that worked for me. Yeah.
0: Mike, the, the only one that we talked about that I did have a beef with was Iron Man just because I thought he was going to die. They like jab him mm. and he's so close and he's like coughing up blood, which then the next scene he doesn't have. And then you're like, he just sort of is alive again. And I'm like, well, like, and I and I, I think what f- sort of frustrates me is knowing that there is gonna be something in the next movie that deals with all of this in some way we don't know. Like, Iron Man could die in the next movie, and he hasn't yet, and they needed him to continue. And like, even in the idea that they needed uh, to have Iron Man there for Spider-Man to like, hug him when he's giving his final lines, was like, you know, it was like, I don't know. It just it, That was the one that bothered me the most i felt like i almost felt like they had written it for him to die and then somehow in the last 6 months of editing we're like no we can't kill him off yet no like way. we need him for something no i know no. but I, I know i know but i'm just saying it felt like that and it it it, was, it bothered me the tiny bit that way and it you know that's why it's hard to discuss cuz and and that's what's weird about this is is like we almost need to have the same four of us on next year when Avengers 4 comes out to have the same discussion about what has happened since and what that movie shows and what we go through there and how it affects our viewing of this movie.
1: You, 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 you don't want to see the cog behind the machine as you're watching the movie. Yeah. And I think you just get a tiny little bit of that. I think, for the most part, you still get the, the, the impact of, like, a Spider-Man dying, thanks to, uh, in no small part, Tom Holland's great acting um, in the moment. But it doesn't take long after the film is done when you're thinking, thinking, yeah, well, you know, he's going to be back, or he's going to be back. I just, this is one of those films where I wish I wasn't me. I wish I wasn't someone who knew everything there is to know about... Saw the strings, through.
2: yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, But I will say this. I think it is very smart what I think Marvel are doing in terms of, you know, the people who are left alive at the end. It's the original six uh, plus a couple of others. And I think... Avengers four is going to be centered around those original Avengers. And I think that's smart to really sort of focus on them and, you know, get them a proper swan song and everything else. I think that's a smart decision. but again, I I wish I wasn't me watching this movie. If I was just like another um, sort of, you know, punter, um, I think it would have had,
4: I know it would have had a lot of a a big impact. Uh, Given what we know is, um, is Gamora's role what Why did they not send her off too? It felt like an odd thing. It stood out to me the second on the second viewing what, why what do you mean send why, off why why Gamora is does it does not go? look, I think we can all agree they probably didn't actually just put all the names in a hat and pick out half of them and then kill those people. There's obviously very thought through reason why the original crew is here and the others are not if you know. Um, which we can. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're asking here. Okay, so Gamora. You I'm mean, sorry, guys. I, I, I'm wall? sorry. I said Gamora. That's not who I meant. It was the blue girl? Nebula. <laughs> yeah, it's nebula. So nebula. 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 That's why I. Nebula? That's why you're all confused. uh Nebula is. <laughs> why? Why would Nebula have been left off of the uh, dissolve? Maybe it afterwards. is because of Gamora,
1: though. <laughs> this, is, this is. I think you know. This is. At least you'll probably agree. nebula ne- Nebula has a very big role to play in the comics for Infinity Gauntlet,
3: yeah.
1: And I think, and she doesn't have much to do in this movie. And I've read somewhere that the Russo said the people who don't get much to do in this movie are going to have bigger arcs in Avengers Four. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think Nebula is going to have a big role. And again, I'm not going to say because you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much to spoil the She's information say you her want.
2: Sister.
1: Basically. Like I, yeah. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I think she's going to have a big part to play in the Avengers 4, basically.
2: Because she also had that big, uh, at the end of um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, her big thing was, I'm going off and I'm going to kill Thanos. And that was like her whole arc after they reconciled and then cut to, well, she tried and now she's in pieces. And Gamora essentially, in a way, sacrifices herself to save her sister. And so I think that kind of like at the end where Loki realizes that he does love his brother and he will sacrifice himself to Thanos to save Thor, Nebula is willing to sacrifice herself to save her sister. Um, and-
1: that theme, that theme of sacrifice is really interesting all the way throughout yeah. the film. The only, time, the only time it works for anybody is with Thanos, uh, which is interesting sacrifices come more but um so the sky always tries to kill vision that doesn't work um and then the he mentioned that doesn't work in the end And it's very yeah that, that that we don't trade lives line is a recurring theme which I think is definitely gonna pop up again in Avengers four
0: well Aman this makes me want to mention something that I, I was talking to Mike about after I saw it the second time is how much uh love which is kind of what we're talking about anyway like plays such a major role throughout in a in a in a way that it actually gets in the way of everything. Like the two major points where love caused a problem was when um, they're trying to get his uh, his gauntlet off and um, Star-Lord uh, is like looking God at God him. quill. Okay. Well. Yeah, okay. and like he messes up. <laughs> and then- that that one i was like i was like okay and then similarly at the end when scarlet witch was supposed to basically kill vision and get the stone and 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 kill or destroy the stone she can't do it because she has this love for him and i thought it was like such an interesting powerful force that was preventing them from getting things done
2: but i will will... sorry go ahead go ahead
1: i mean i i think i think i'm about to say what you're about to say but even though it was very, very irritating what Quill did. It does track with his character. Because if you go back to Guardians 2, when Ego tells him that he killed his mother, the first thing he does is shoot him, you know, a, a whole bunch of times. So it tracks with his character, and you sort of get why he does it, even though it is very, very, very annoying. With all of that said as well, I'm pretty sure that Doctor Strange has seen this outcome. and it's
2: Exactly, part of yeah. his
1: plan.
3: That's
2: why um, I said, like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I, don't I, just, know. I, I got excited because I got, like went on a rant about this yesterday on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, no. I just. It's not
0: that I have a problem with it being a part of the character. I just think it's a. I think it's really, in a in the context of the movie, as we're already talking about the the forces that make people make their decisions and then end up. And yes, I know this is part of Doctor Strange's plan, but end up causing it not to work and causing Thanos to win is like, wow. All this the 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 power of love was like. What eventually let Thanos win in the end, which is kind of weird. I
2: I think this is, and I I wonder if that's what will save them all. In the end is that Thanos brings back Gamora and undoes what he did.
0: That's what I feel like.
2: Um, but I, this is what it makes I think Marvel movies work, even the ones that aren't as good. You know, I mean, a bad Marvel movie is like a good movie for any other studio. But. Um, but it's what makes the Marvel movies work in a way that no other tent poles do and no other franchise does. It's because you genuinely believe the characters love one another. And that's something that other franchises have tried to emulate um, and it hasn't worked because they've either tried to rush it or the casting hasn't quite been right. You haven't bought it. Um, Maybe they haven't quite bought into their characters, but you can tell that even the all the, all the characters, all the, the, the actors they've cast in the Marvel movies, even if they weren't necessarily huge comic book fans, they truly love their characters and they truly love the other people they work with and act with. And that comes across on the screen so that even though, yeah, it's annoying when Peter Quill does what he does because Peter, Peter Quill is going to Peter Quill hmm But you're still like, but I get it, man. Like, because that's that's what you do. And, like, and I believe that that Wanda, after losing her brother, she's like, I cannot lose you, too, you know? And, and by the way, shout out to how much more powerful she got, too. Oh, my um, gosh, yes. Why was she up there all this time? Yeah, or, like, <laughs> Thor. Like, Thor just, like... Oh, my
1: God. I can't at, at get enough of that moment.
2: Yeah, Thor, like, bereft at losing his family. And even Rocket Raccoon, who, you know, after... Gardens of the Galaxy 2 and being accepted in Yondu, like even he you know this callous you know asshole rocket tries to comfort Thor I mean he screws it up horribly but he tries you know and and that's something I don't see in any other franchise it's it's that the genuine love I think that happens uh, on and off screen that that carries through and you 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 give a shit about these characters you care what happens to them? Even if what's happening to them isn't maybe narratively as tight as it could be, it doesn't even almost matter because you just you care about the character so much.
4: Can I the, the fact? That, go can, ahead. Can I give one example that I don't think worked though? Because I totally agree with you on on all fronts. But um, Groot's moment, I felt like was. Odd. I I thought the running joke was funny. Was great. I mean, it was it was very clever, but it almost it was almost felt like they didn't see him as a valuable resource in the process of this movie. Um, I I get that the end game uh, for him was that he gave Thor the final piece to do what he needed to do. I I, I think that's great, and it serves a, a it serves to continue the story in a way, but like. Groot has, I feel like, a lot to offer, although I don't quite know all about him. It just seems like he he could have done, they could have given him a better moment um, instead of him just sort of doing it. Like I didn't feel the weight of that moment, and and I kind of wished that we had a better Groot coming to the rescue moment. Do I am I alone on this or or what? Yes.
3: Okay. Yes. <laughs> Mom's very upset. No. Right.
4: Give it to me. Give no, to me. that 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 really isn't for me because I
1: mean, I think if you go back and watch it, at least I've been told this as well. I mean, and I, and I saw a little bit the first time I watched it, but Groot is throwing some looks at Thor throughout the movie. He's paying attention here and there to Thor throughout the movie, and. For him to, I mean, for him to put down his game and get in the game, as it were, and to, you know, be—I think that's a wonderful touch. Um, uh, group being a part of Stormbreaker, I thought that was a wonderful touch, and not to mention in the in the Battle of Wakanda, he does get another big moment where he does the—it's a callback to Guardians One, where he puts his tree through like a bunch of aliens all at once, which is another cool moment. Um... But yeah, no, I, I really it's it was, it's a similar arc, I guess, to what Thor to what to what um Groot goes through in Guardians 2, in terms of, you know, the one moment with the with the bomb and everything else. And again, it's a similar thing with the one moment with, with Thor. I, I I thought it was a great moment. It really lands really for me. To piggyback off of what uh Alicia was saying earlier, the fact that we care so much about these characters means that they're able to attempt something like this where the hero inverted commas of the story is thanos um because we know because we know what these heroes, because, we, because we've had 18 films 36 however many hours with these heroes and we know what they're all about we don't uh sort of you know need to focus on them so much in the film like this and to have thanos be the hero of his own story to and be the central character i think it's really really smart i think i mean i said the unsung heroes but i'm hearing their name in the Twitter sphere, a lot more uh, these days, which is great. But Marcus and McFeely, they wrote a hell of a script for this movie. Um, yeah. I think it's really, really great. So yeah, um, I thought Thanos was a very, very interesting villain. It's good. Yeah, let's I talk was... about Thanos. <laughs> yeah. so, go ahead, Alicia.
2: Oh God, I was just about to say that they're already the, I hate the internet like so much sometimes. <laughs>
1: that... You're about to say the, 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 the Thanos was right thing.
2: <laughs> no, Thanos is daddy. The what? whole I've, oh I've my god, there is a whole there's a whole there's a whole Twitter thing, like, hey, uh Thanos is thick. I'm like, can we not Oh like, wow? Can we just not? Can we just <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh but yeah, like no people were like, man, Thanos is thick. I'm like, just can we just fucking not like for once internet, can we not go there? Like just we already wanted to do the fish guy like last year. <laughs> like, can we just not with thanos but apparently that's the answer to that is no we can and we will and we're already making memes about it so did
4: we ever get a good look at, oh boy. His, at his full you know his, his, his full body <laughs> i feel like it was mostly uh, upper torso <laughs> shots with him
2: nope we got full shots trust right, me because people screenshot them
4: i'll have to look back i'll go again just for this <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's what review. Review. We've, we've made all of our listeners spend their time now trying to find Thanos junk the next time they watch it. Great. Look what Thanos,
2: just Twitter, Thanos is thick, or Thanos thick. T-H-I-C-C, as the kids say.
4: <laughs> wow. I hate that I'm looking um, at this now. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look,
3: I,
0: Aman, I think you already mentioned this at the beginning already, but like, uh, Thanos is a, a really well-crafted villain and emotionally resonant and like i think that's what probably surprised most of us when we watched this like i don't know why we weren't expecting thanos to have this much but he he is such a like force of the story consistently obviously but also in a way that really um impressed me and like i know alicia's you already said well we can't sympathize with genocide but just like the, the way they craft his story is one of those things where you're like, okay, there there is an emotion to him that you sympathize with. You you, you sympathize with the fact that he is, um, I mean, this doesn't make sense, but human. But you know what I mean, like that idea that he he's got feelings and he he's doing what he thinks is right, which is the classic concept of what makes a villain great: is that that they're doing what they think is right and that they're doing what they believe in for their own sake. Um, and and I and I think there's a big discussion to have with what happens to him at the end, which is there's also that, uh, I don't know what to call it, the dream sequence where he kind of goes to that like watery place with the, the mirrored Japanese shrine looking thing. And, and then the, like the final lines of the film with him, which are uh, like he, he uh, uh, young Gamora says like, you know, you did it. And what did you have to give? And he says everything. And then that to me was like, these lines mean something more than we know he's, he's, such a deep character. I don't know. Sorry, I'm going on about that. I
2: was going to say, I had, a, I had a little bit of a hard time with Thanos because I was like, oh, he's so well wrought." He is a very well-crafted villain. Um, the one thing I didn't quite buy, though, was his love for Gamora because the scene where all of a sudden he's, like, wiping out half of her planet and then he stops to, like, cuddle her and be like, "I, you're my daughter now. Here's a knife. Like, <laughs> I, like I didn't... I was like, what? Like, yeah. that came out of nowhere. And then... And even the scene where she was like, You don't love anybody. And he's like, But I do. I, you know, I love you. And it's like, see, even Gamora didn't know that he loved her because it came out of nowhere. So I I feel like
0: But well, maybe he's a complex man who's who hides his emotions. Okay. Come on,
3: Alicia. <laughs> um, also,
2: can what, we just well, like shout out for Nebula, like to, to for being like literally well, the the redhead stepchild? Because like imagine watching your dad like love your sister to that extent. And then you're like, oh, and and you Nebula, like I'm going to give you another like Android body part now. Mm -hmm. So. Well, the other thing
4: I thought was interesting about her backstory with Gamora was he says you're strong. You're, you know, that she had an incredible will about her. I I didn't quite know where that was coming from. I, I can buy whatever I can get. I get it. But it was almost like we know that she's super strong willed. And therefore, it made sense that he said she was. But all he had ever done was find her, you know, hiding with her mother. That that didn't strike me as somebody that he would have picked out of a crowd to say, you're going to be the greatest warrior in the galaxy. So that was a little odd. I must
2: have missed it. One of my friends said that she'd fought back against the guard or something. Hmm. Um, and I was like, okay. maybe I missed that part because I was looking somewhere else on the screen or whatever. But it just wasn't made really clear to me. So that scene... Yeah just felt really random. The first time I watched it, I was like, I don't really understand how he went from murder these people, but protect this young flower. Like I didn't, well, I was like, I also, That's...
4: there is a sort of uh there is a vibe that you, you sort of get the vibe from this has happened a lot. And I think in our cultures where, you know, big time villains will find the youngest, most impressionable kid and and turn them into whatever they want them to be so there's also that there's an element there that i think was probably at play and he picked these young girls that he thought he could turn into super warriors and eventually would pick his favorite and would send them off to do his bidding i mean he did ask her to go find the uh soul stone or reality stone no soul stone yeah, Soulstone. And she Soulstone. Yeah. Soulstone. So I mean, he definitely I I get that he's her favorite, but I agree with you that the love thing is kind of out of left field only because it was it's all internalized for him. We don't have anything other than his word to believe it and then the obvious exactly. proof that the Soulstone <clears throat> believes him. But I kind of thought in that moment, I got really excited the first time because I thought her laughter was actually because she realized that the only thing that he loves is her and that he was going to have to kill her in order to get what he wanted and he would never be able to do it. And that whole script in my head didn't play out on screen, but I was pretty happy with the way that scene played out. I thought it was the first time I really thought a villain actually believed they were sacrificing something when they say it. And and yet at the end of the movie, when, he, when she asks, what did you sacrifice? And he says, it's just the most predictable word of all of them. He says everything, and I thought, what <laughs> does that mean? That that doesn't have any power. What does that mean? What is everything? Did you sacrifice? We'll find out in the next one. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm. I'm wondering yeah. what that means because I do think that that is actually a really important line because there's no proof that he lost everything um, except for a few of his henchmen and the daughter, his favorite daughter, right? Well, and his entire planet, yeah. yeah.
1: Did he really but, care, but, though,
4: about his planet? Did he?
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. But, I mean, I, I tell you, really, we're, we're told more about Thanos' love for Gamora than was shown it, which is a problem. I mean, e- even though Bruin and Saldana really bringing it in that scene where Gamora dies, um, we needed more of that relationship. If they had really, you know... Developed that through line from the first Guardians onwards, then we would have had more to draw on in that sequence. But in the moment, we only have a flashback and Thanos's word, um, which is why, you know, it, again, I I did feel something, but it, it would have landed much better and heavier if we had more to go on in that relationship, I think. Should we shift gears towards
4: Thor, which I think is the other stand? Yes, movie? yes, we should. <laughs> because <laughs> first of Take all me, there... Sorry, I you wanted to say it <laughs> set you, up. you you i think it's you're so the one who said awesome. it amon that he was like your favorite part of this film right is that what you said earlier yeah
1: and it was interesting because actually i should have mentioned to the top i i've seen the film one and a half times because before um the press screening i you know this um, there was like a 20-minute uh, footage thing that they were doing, and I went to go see that. And in that um, sort of 20 minutes of footage, we saw the scene where Thor meets the Guardians and he's joking around. And for me, as much as I liked Ragnarok, it was too humorous for me, because Thor loses in Ragnarok. Thor loses his father. He loses Asgard. He loses his hammer. And loses his three best friends. And the sort of the biggest sort of loss I felt was this hammer um, you know, <laughs> out of all of that, which is crazy for me? And then even sort of um, again at the at least at the outset of this movie, he's still uh, cracking jokes every now and then, which really wasn't working for me because at some point you need to be permanently pissed off. And not only did we get that, but before that iconic, instantly iconic scene with Stormbreaker and Wakanda. We get that really, really, really great conversation with um, Thor and Rocket on that ship um, where you basically see that Thor is just masking his pain with humour. Chris Tansworth nailed that scene. It's one of the highlights of the film. Uh, He absolutely bought it. And that really put Thor into a whole new context for me. Um, So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how they're going to tie up his arc in Avengers 4, but he, for me, along with Doctor Strange, funnily enough, was... Strange and Thanos, I should say. They were the MVPs of the movie for me. The, I mean, I, I, I mentioned it a couple of times, already, but that that scene with Stormbroke and Wakanda is just it's so cool. It's instantly iconic, and, yeah, it's the... Uh, it makes you it puts it into context in terms of Thor and other movies in terms of his power level because I've always thought this guy is a god and it feels like he's being nerfed. Um, in this movie, you know, he he unlocked God mode. And yeah, it was they've awesome.
2: They've all been nerfed a little bit. I feel like, <laughs> but I feel like there's no character that really has had like a blow up the way that Thor has had the last few movies, because honestly, out of all the Avengers, other than Hawkeye, because sorry Hawkeye. Um, He was my (laughs) least favorite. Like, I don't even really love the Thor comics. I just found him to be a really boring character. But Marvel's managed to do the thing that you... They've managed to take characters like Captain America and Thor, who could be really boring and one-dimensional, and they've managed to find the right actor and strike the right tone to make them really endearing. And for Thor, it's that sense of humor and relying on Chris Hemsworth's natural uh, humor and... I thought he was great in this movie and that scene with Rocket like you said like you're just like oh man like okay he really is feeling this and and that the death of his brother is the one that's hit him harder than any um, so he was great but I I think probably my other favorite character and I'm such a stan so everybody I mean whatever uh is Spider-Man like I think Tom Holland absolutely nails that role. And he, sometimes Marvel humor can feel a little bit out of place, a little bit forced. I love the humor in Marvel movies. Every so often I feel like, "Mm, okay, like maybe we needed to go play it straight there then have another quip. But I feel like Tom Holland as Spider-Man brings a levity and an innocence and a purity to the movies just by how he plays the character and not because he's trying to make jokes. Or like make quips he's just um he's kind of a breath of fresh air and i he was so in over his head in this mm. movie like half of his though i laughed aloud at the one line where um they're on the planet and they you know mantis and drax uh are standing there and they're like what, iron man's like what are you here for and or whatever and mantis like we're here to uh <laughs> Take, what is Look, it? Kick names kick and take names ass. Kick names and take ass, yeah. And then, and then it pans back to Iron Man and Peter it's Parker. Just, and Peter Parker just like looks over at Iron Man like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. They're so weird. They're <laughs> yeah. um, like the scene where he sees Madison for some He's like, oh God, oh God, don't lay your eggs in me. And he's like just, you know, frantically shooting webs at her. And he's freaking out that she's going to put eggs in him. Like... I love that he plays like such a kid and yeah. you know, and he nails it. Like when he's swinging through and he's like, I got you, I got you. Sorry. I don't remember everybody's names, you know, like, sorry. No, really? Like he's just so endearing every time he's on screen, even in the little things he does in his reactions that he, I'm so excited to see this kid play Spider-Man for the long term because he's, he's so good. And he's so endearing that it's impossible not to watch him in scenes against these gods and these, adults and these billionaires and not root for him because he's just such a kid and he's sewing over his head but he's trying so hard and he's just like the little you know labrador puppy of the group that's just super eager and like ready to get in there and help however he can but you but you also starting to see the seeds of the man he'll become the one who will always do the right thing and the one who will not leave someone behind and i really i'm just really excited to see how he uh, evolves over the next few movies
4: and I, I thought the most two things to go ahead. I, I'll be quick. I I thought the most compelling thing about him in the film was um, also the moment when Stark Stark was like, yeah, "You're an Avenger now," you know. Stark doesn't I was just care. About to say this. Yeah. Okay. Like Stark doesn't Stark doesn't care. That doesn't mean anything to him. But this kid has been wanting this his whole life, and he got it, and he was like super excited, really like a kid. And then he had that that moment that was all Tom Holland, where he was just like, you could feel him saying to himself, "Okay, well, I guess that means I got to be a man now. And, you know, he puffs his chest up and he looks very serious and you just sort of you just feel good for him because he's a kid. I would
1: say the music is really working well in that that little moment, too. there. Also, I was was going to say that, you know, we haven't mentioned it yet. (laughs) Only in the movie, which has this many crazy things, do we not mention this right at the top, but. Iron Spider-Arms, guys.
2: Yeah, the awesome. Waldos. Yeah, and he cool. finally got four. And he got four of them instead of three. Like, they originally started the comics, which always annoyed me. Mm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so that's comics. I assume that was comics. But is that is that something that they can... Like, is that a one-time deal, you think? Or do you think that becomes part of his character now permanently? Well,
1: I don't, I don't think... After the Avengers movie, I don't think he's wearing this costume again. Um, no. At least for a while, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see it again next year probably, but other than that, no.
2: He, I mean, he kind of wore it for a brief time in the comics, but then it kind of got destroyed. And actually, actually, where he wore it was Civil War. Yeah, and it was interesting. Himself. They they pulled that storyline in for Homecoming, where uh, so he was working for Tony Stark at the time, and then Tony Stark makes him the Iron Spider costume. But what Peter discovers is that Tony has bugged it basically to collect all his data just in case he needs a way to neutralize Spider-Man. Peter turns the tables on him, and he hacks the uh, the software and puts his own software in, and like disables it. Um, and then uh, things go down; and they go poorly. And then he ends up fighting with uh, Iron Man and breaking his arm, and then running away. And then Punisher—it's a whole thing. Uh, Yo, this but, is awesome!
0: I want
1: to see that movie. But you make, you make me want to VV this uh, coming.
2: <laughs> so they kind of, so they kind of did that a little bit in Homecoming where they they brought in like the tracking and he disables it. Um, and he kind of, Spider-Man and Tony Stark have always had like a weird relationship in the comics where it's kind of a mentor mentee, but then Peter kind of realizes that Tony's not the best mentor. Um, and he kind of falls from grace in, in Peter's eyes a little bit. And we've not quite seen that yet, but I don't really see him using the Iron Spider suit for, yeah, past, past the next movie. And that's also not the suit that people want to see him in. Like he belongs in his normal suit.
0: I did think the legs were cool. And that was kind of my thought was like, it was such a, like the appearance of them was almost like a casual throwaway, not throwaway, but like a, it just, they just pop out and then the scene just continues on. And then he uses them from that point on. And I thought like, this is a major kind of thing with his costume. And it made me wonder, like, do we get to see more glory with this? Will it continue on? Because it was so cool. And yes, he uses them effectively throughout the rest of the movie from that point on, but, I mean, I, I like, a lot happens to Spider-Man in this movie that makes me wonder if it's going to continue on into his next movie. And it obviously has to in some way, but at the same time, like, like when is that all going to hit him? And, you know, is that going to be the next movie? Is him just sort of, like, again, like the first, or, like, Homecoming, realizing, like, oh, man, I went through all of this, but now I'm back to well, the friendly yeah. neighborhood Spider-Man.
1: Well, uh, I think Tony dies in Avengers 4, and yeah. Spider-Man, the Spider-Man sequel's going to,
4: dealing heavily with that i think so um spoiler no i'm kidding (laughs) we don't know know. (laughs) no i think i i i agree that that should be the plot i mean if you want to if you want to give this kid a chance to really mature in his sequel give him give him another death to experience because we didn't give we didn't give him that in you know we didn't give him that uncle death scene that we always see that matures him so he's not actually experienced that yet he's still a kid but I mean, that would be a cool, that would be a really cool choice.
2: I was just say the, the one thing you were talking about, the arms that bother me a little bit, I wish they had let it, I wish they had done a little bit more like the comics. Uh, that moment where his arms, um, the Waldos, they're, the little legs are called Waldos, they kind of unfurl for the first time. He, he puts on the Iron Spider costume, he's in his like hotel room and he's talking to uh, Tony or whatever, like on the phone, or Tony's leave like a voice message. And he puts it on he's like experiment all of a sudden you see and like all of a sudden spider-man the panel he's just gone and his voice is coming from the ceiling and then it cuts like the next panel and he there's like legs he's like what the hell like he's <laughs> like so it scares the shit out of him um and tony is just like cackling because he knew that that would happen mm-hmm. and you kind of got that a little bit in the movie but i wish they had let that moment rest for a second but yeah, he was so sad. busy and like moving that i wish that they had they had done a little bit more like the comics
4: I, I, I wanna talk about Hulk a little bit. Okay. If if that's all right, if you feel like if you wanna add one more thing about that Spider-Man um thing. I was go just for it, gonna
1: actually. say one tiny thing, not necessarily about Spider Man, but just about I wish you would have gotten more little grace moments like that. Like there a number of significant characters who are visiting Wakanda for the first time and there's no real comment from any of them about mm. it. Yeah. Like I would have really been really intrigued to have seen what a Falcon what a Rodi would have thought about entering Wakanda for the first time them being you know the only really other significant black characters in the MCU apart from to sort of all the characters introduced in Wakanda and Black Panther so yeah I mean this movie does, doesn't have doesn't have room for stuff like that but um I would have yeah. appreciated uh Grace moments like that but, but even but
0: even vice versa I'm on. like Shuri. I was hoping she would just like you know, geek out about all those cool people and cool tech and just things, and it was just like, yeah.
1: We still need a Shuri, Rocket, Tony scene uh, in Avengers Four. That would be amazing. Three masters of technology. Oh God, give it to me now.
4: Um,
2: Peter Parker just yeah. running around going, "Oh my God, that's awesome. You have to, <laughs> you need to awesome!"
4: So, so Hulk. Okay, I'm fairly certain this is obvious to everybody in this conversation, but it wasn't. It wasn't obvious to some people I had spoken to on why he didn't show up. I I think, um, it seems like that opening scene was a huge moment in Hulk's story arc throughout these movies because he's never been yep. beaten before. So they give him that boxing, that like boxing moment where the first time you get knocked down, you're never the same. And he got, he got his ass kicked by Thanos who straight up baned him. And in, uh, and he won't come back out because he's scared to fight now. And and I feel like that's a really intriguing storyline that gets really pushed to the back of every conversation about this movie. And I, I can't think, I'm very curious of how that's going to change the whole conversation moving forward with the Hulk. And obviously it will, it will create a nice moment when he finally does come to. But I, I thought that was a really bold choice, especially given the way they marketed the movie and just straight up put him in that um, slow mo running scene in the trailers to make people think are, Hulk was in the movie. And like- there are, so, there are so many trailer shots which are in this movie. It's actually insane.
2: Um... Uh, the cynical <laughs> part of me too also noted, like as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh, this is also an excellent way to give Mark Ruffalo more face time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, because he spent almost all of Thor Ragnarok as the Hulk. And so I imagine there's probably something in his contract, he's like, I'll do these, but at some point I need to spend the majority of the movie like as myself and not as Hulk. <laughs> so I imagine that's, it just kind of dovetails nicely with the narrative, but mm-hmm. I also want to say that there's probably something in there that has to do with giving him more face time before he goes out of the MCU and with his yeah, contract. That, and everything.
4: That, that does actually, that's a great way to naturally get him out. So he's just like a, a defeated character as opposed to they won't come back out and then he gives up on it that's 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 a great idea i think that makes total sense it also sense.
2: gives him because we've seen a lot of character growth with hulk we've seen no character growth with bruce banner so in two ways this makes hulk have to have to really have to like like nut up at some point for the first time in his life and then two it also gives bruce banner that extra burst of confidence because there's that seems like "Fine, I'll just do it myself and now bruce banner knows he doesn't have to rely on hulk in a physical fight he can do it too because mm-hmm. he's always relied on hulk so they're both kind of hitting these walls that they have to push past in this movie so i think it's setting up interesting uh, character development for both characters where we've only really gotten just the one to to this point
4: so so do we have any theories about Avengers 4 and how they will actually go about this. Maybe there's something in the will, comics, maybe there's something you guys know, or then there's just the obvious guesses and theories.
1: I will say this, um, not a theory, but I believe, at least I think, that Avengers 4 should start with people disappearing from the wider universe. Yeah. That would be a really sort of big thing to sort of, you know, really. Underline the scope of what Thanos has done, um, because we only see when you see it uh, a small bit of it. When you see that like, the significant heroes that we're following disappear, but seeing people from Zandar, there's anybody left on Zandar? Disappear. Seeing people from nowhere disappear. People with uh, planets we visited from with the Guardians and with the Guardians and other movies. Seeing life from those. Uh, planets just disappear into the ether would be i think a really chilling way to start avengers 4
2: kind of similar to what they did with Terra genesis on agents of shield but on a much much bigger scale yes um, yeah so i i agree and
4: and specifically you know with actually running back on the on what's going on i mean like some people will think oh well, they just have to get the time stone back and they can reverse it okay well that is one way of doing it, but I think Marvel's thought this through a little bit more than that and are going to work hard to surprise I think, people. I
1: think it's going gonna, it's gonna to tie definitely into Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and obviously, Ant-Man and the Wasp are going into the quantum realm where time is a non-factor. So I think that's definitely going to have something to do with it. I think Captain Marvel, obviously, <laughs> there was a there was a comment I read on a website earlier. who um, said that when... If and when Samuel L. Jackson comes back, obviously he leaves the film with mother f- And if and when Samuel Jackson comes back, he shits out with fucker.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: quite <laughs> 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 um, But uh, I think Captain Marvel is going to be a big help in taking Thanos down. I think the beautiful thing, the, the really smart thing about Marvel, this movie, this is the best trailer for Captain Marvel. She's positioned as the savior at the MCU. She hasn't, he hasn't had one single second of screen time, and she's already positioned as the savior at the MCU. It's, it's, it's just masterful. It's really well yeah, done. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, look, I'm going to be the guy who... I don't know anything
0: about Captain Marvel. Why, why is amazing. she that? But why is she the one... Because that's what I thought I got to the
1: end. I'm like, okay, Captain Marvel, she's going to save everyone here who couldn't... Okay. I'll, 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 there, so. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make this real if, simple for you. Yeah, she's, she's, she's more powerful than the Hulk. But, like, from... from like. What way? Because I, I guess, I mean, I'm going to find
0: she's out like, what the problem when
3: it comes she's out. She's
2: like, she's has, like, the power of Hulk and, like, the, like, blasty blast of Thor. I'm uh, she like, fine. she's easily, like, her power set changes the game. Yeah. Like, if Where they let she... her go full powered, her power set completely obliterates anything that most of the Avengers characters have now.
1: Where does she, she is that get...
2: powerful.
4: Save for Thor, maybe.
2: So so maybe, quick backstory.
4: Yeah. Quick backstory for us.
2: She's she's half Cree. She's yeah. not full yeah, she's not fully human. She's she's like a, another star lord. Um half human, half alien. And um, what's a Cree?
4: <laughs> <laughs> like Creed Bratton? Or like
2: <laughs> uh, Ronan. Ronan, Ronan the accuser. A
4: like Apollo Ronan. Creed.
2: Okay, so Ronan the accuser and the first guardians, <laughs> the blue aliens. He's coming got back? From got Marvel.
4: it. That's very helpful. That's, okay, good.
2: That's uh, they were also all over the Avengers and everything, or uh, Agents of Shield as well. So she okay. she's also really interesting too because she, um, you know, everybody talks about Tony Stark being the like the big alcoholic in the in the Marvel universe. She also is an alcoholic. She has some real self-destructive tendencies, and she also has a swagger that we don't have. Like. You look at Natasha like Black Widow and she is confident. You look at Okoye and Shuri like they're all confident, but Captain Marvel, like Carol Danvers, she has swagger. Like she is fucking awesome and she knows it and she will tell you that too. So she's a very interesting character that we have not seen before in the Marvel universe. She has like the power set of Thor and Hulk. Uh, she has the drinking problems and the swagger of Tony Stark. But she has the the desire to like defend and do what's right, like Captain America. So she's she's real OP. And,
1: and clearly, I was gonna say just exp- I would not be surprised if she, and especially T'Challa, is up front and center in the new Avengers lineup post yeah. this phase. I um, it'll either be her or T'Challa leading the new Avengers.
4: I was I was thinking that uh, Spider Man. It is in a great position to sort of take the mantle for the Earthly Avengers initiative idea from Iron Man, even though he's kind of not doing that it's anymore. That it would I know he's too young, but I kind of feel like there's something about the buildup of that character that he's going to assume a yeah. leadership position that would be well beyond his years and that that would be a really powerful way for them to, to give him that role.
2: It'd be interesting, but they would definitely change that from the comics because he's a loner in the comics. He teams up with the Avengers, but he's not an Avenger. Um, Not usually. Um, He prefers to go it alone, which is why it was a little bit weird that moment when Captain, when uh, Iron Man was like, you're an Avenger now. And he was like, oh, cool. And I was like, but you turned down the Avengers in your last movie. So... I bet he'll um, go back
0: to that in his next solo. Role, right?
2: So yeah, he does. Like it's well, this is exactly what it is in the comics, where he'll team up with the Avengers to like take down some big threat, and then he goes off and does his own thing.
1: Because he loves New York too. Like he doesn't want to give up. Yeah. New York. I I like I like the way that he transitioned into becoming a part of this movie and this team, and uh, in, yeah, in Infinity War. I think I think it works.
4: So what? So how how does the plot unfold in your eyes? For them to do they? It, you know? Do you see this as a reversal? of what happened and they go redo it or do you see it as um something that's going to rely on Thanos to to make the choice for himself I mean like how the hell are they going to do this I think because I mean the interesting thing is when Thanos
1: clicks his fingers the gauntlet is screwed up um now what do you mean, uh, man? <laughs> in terms of the gauntlet is, you know, if you look at it, this, the gauntlet, all, all, it feels like it's like a one-shot thing. But I think that the stones recharge. Then there's also the matter I have to take into consideration that we now know where the gauntlet was made and there was a mold of it in Nibidalea. Um, So, do the heroes do the store, etc. cetera, to, to the go back and get that also i mean there's a question i have on that the whole thor and the Bifrost thing but i'll come back to it um so there's that too and then there's a couple of things i was reading online in that that, that suggested that dr strange would go in astral form uh to atman and the wasp and sort of tell them to be somewhere at a specific time um maybe to hide wow. away on the time stone um as so as he gives it to Thanos, which I think was an interesting theory, um, but yeah, I do think it'll be some sort of reversal, um, I guess, because I don't see any other any other way of them getting all the heroes back, and they are obviously all going to get the heroes back at some point. Um, so yeah, I'm I think it'll have to it'll have something to do with the recharging of the Infinity Stones, and then Ant
4: Man and the Wasp, sort of opinion. Is there any precedent for? the characters that did not die to sacrifice themselves in return for all the ones that were taken and then so we have a literal swap and that and that uh, kills them all at once we don't, Somebody... we don't trade lives
1: mike
3: So
2: this,
1: <laughs> i see what you did there but yeah this kind
2: of ties in with a question i have about cap uh, because okay. it's not really, it's not really like where I see the movie going. Because honestly, I'm not even trying to think about where it might go. Because I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna let Marvel do their thing. Yeah, they because, know. They know.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, speculation to come. But,
2: but what I wonder is, there was a there was a line that that came from Steve Rogers at the very end, and it was this very small throwaway line. I don't think anybody really caught it, but I did, and I wonder if it is going to have a bigger part to play in his own story is he sat there after like Bucky disappeared and everybody everybody disappeared and he just was sitting there very quietly by Vision's body and he said, oh God. And I, was, I thought, I, the- and I thought, oh my God, that was the first time that Steve Rogers ever took God's name in vain. And I started wondering about that. I'm like, what happens when you're very devout boy scout who believes in God, you know, there's only one God man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that, you know, or whatever, or doesn't talk like that, whatever. What happens when that man sees a creature come down and wipe out half the universe with a snap of his fingers. What does that do to your foundation? What does that do to his faith? How does that shake Steve Rogers? Because at that moment, I was like, Oh my God, Thanos broke Steve Rogers. Like, Holy shit. He broke Steve Rogers. And so I wonder if quietly and and he's become, you know, Iron Man may have started out as the the foundation of the Avengers and the MCU, but let's be honest, since winter soldier, Captain America has been its heart. Yeah. And so Absolutely. I think the last story is very much going to be about him and Tony. I would not be surprised if he and Tony basically made a suicide pact where they go out together to save everybody else because that is very much in both of their characters.
1: So many, there's so many massive moments to come in that movie. You got the reconciliation between Steve and Tony. You got the inevitable handing back of the shield, which is going to be a fist pump moment if there ever was one um so yeah it's gonna be you're gonna you know cap is going to say avengers assemble finally which you know i might stand up and applaud myself um so yeah it's there's gonna be a lot of really great cap stuff in avengers 4 i think i'm looking forward to it i was telling mike this
0: um that i i i would love and i don't know if this is possible especially with what you guys said it's changed my mind but i would love them to do a back to the future 2 kind of thing where like they're going back and seeing what's happening and somehow adjusting it, like, in a, in a way where the scenes they've already shot for this movie, they're re- replicating exactly in the new one to somehow play with and change in some way. That's what I would love to see.
1: That would be interesting. I mean, we, we, know, we know that there's gonna be some sort of time travel aspect because we've seen the set photos unfortunately um you you mentioned um,
0: this aman but what are the set photos i don't want to like well i do want to know what
4: what do they show aman you've (laughs) read up on this right you've read up beyond beyond the set photos themselves what the director was saying about that that they that that we should go
1: back and watch civil war because there's an easter egg there i think that's what they said
4: yeah and Uh, i and i i kind of tracked that down did you see what that was about I did not track that down. I did not see what that was about. So it's the barf thing that Tony has at MIT where he recreates, he hijacks the hippocampus and, and recreates traumatic memories. Oh, interesting. So we don't know anything, obviously, and this is total speculation based on a loose comment that was made by people who are known to send people on breadcrumb trails. But, um, I mean it's 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 possible that they go that they do this time travel thing and go all the way back to the beginning of the Avengers when they break through and maybe that's how they do this but it it also sounds like when you read some of the comments from Faggy and the directors and and everybody that it sounds like it's going to be a very different movie and then it's going to be on the surviving members to figure it out so it's going to be more of a detective solving the riddle kind of movie that I think Would make it a much more different experience, and would allow them to utilize that technology in a different way. But, and maybe they're the way that maybe that implies that there are secrets hidden throughout all the other movies that will all put together solve the question of how you reverse this effect of what happened.
1: Mm Now, I I expect Avengers Four to focus much more on the original six heroes and less on Thanos and to give us more of those character moments for the final time for some of the characters that we've been craving. Um, and that would seem like a really good way to do it in terms of- Hawkeye working.
2: uses one exploding arrow and blows up Thanos <laughs> and saves everything. And then just, then just double middle finger and be like, fuck you guys. You know?
4: <laughs> just Hawkeye comes in out. at the last second and does it too.
2: Shoes Thanos, mm-hmm. double fingers, Hawkeye out, and just like back <laughs> out of the screen.
4: And, and The, the other line- work. In, in this movie that I thought was very important besides the things Doctor Strange said and, and what's been mentioned on this podcast is Thanos saying to Thor, you should have gone for the head. And I, it very much felt mm-hmm. like a, a, a hat tip to what's going to happen. Like if they're going to kill Thanos, I kind of think it's going to have a, a one liner from Thor where he's like, I went for the head this time or something. It, yeah. it's just, it it has yeah. that vibe to it, and I don't know that they completely recreate the exact events of this movie, because that would be disappointing almost. But I do think at it's, some point he has to chop his head off, and, and that has to be how Thanos dies. It's only fitting. It's,
1: intri- it's intriguing, because I've been wondering about this in terms of who deserves to get the final kill shot. Because Cap- if... You know, Cap had a good ha, would have a good state. Drax would have a good, you know, reason. Gamora would have a good reason. You know, Iron Man is personal for him. Who deserves or to
2: get Cap the final says, kill shot? Cap says together, and then all the old Avengers go in together oh, at the same time. I no, 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 might keep
4: playing, Alicia. <laughs> or maybe it's like actually, the maybe it's like the scene yeah, in Airplane. Yeah, yeah. And they have to chop his head off the, like a uh, like a thick tree. Uh,
2: I just want the uh, the drum playing ant from the Ant Man the Lost trailer to show up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: I love That's something. To hang out. It, it, there's a lot of Damon Lindelof going on. I feel like right now, in in the ether around this movie, you've got. That
2: makes me a little nervous.
4: Right. It's like, where is is he here? Is he in the room making decisions? Because you've got a time travel potential. You've got an alternate universe potential. If he's not involved, he's off really enjoying himself watching this movie unfold
2: all all due respect to Lindelof and Abrams I just nah I just you go you you stay out of this universe
4: <laughs> yeah well I think we all so, can agree with that
2: yeah but yeah no I just I want the uh drum playing and, I I can't help but think that uh that Thanos is going to be I mean I feel like there's there has to be a lot of fan service in this movie like there has to be um so I feel like it's going to be it's gonna be one of the Avengers, like, and it's gonna be like Cap or Iron Man. But I would not be surprised if they do it together, or if it's all the Avengers together, and it, it's delivered with a line like where Cap's is like, you know, like, or like Iron Man, like, like the old man says, "Together," you know. Mm. Um, and I and I would know that's pandering to me, and I would not care. I would be <laughs> totally fine with that. Like every like fan pandering moment they're gonna have an Avengers four, I will have seen it coming, and I, it will still work. Like I'll still oh, cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah,
3: so it's gonna be
1: emotional. Um, yeah, oh, I'm gonna miss these guys when they're, and
2: I, yeah. I think that's the, the beauty of what Marvel's done is that they can lay out a story for you basically, and you still care. And yeah. but then the thing is, but then they still surprise you, so yeah. it's you know, like I, I don't care what people say, like they're like, oh, Marvel's so predictable, it's really not.
3: Um,
1: Listen,
2: <laughs> just yeah. I mean, I was, I was saying to someone else, the
1: amount of time and energy and headlines and ink people devoted to trying to uncover the mystery of where the soul stone is, and I guarantee you, nobody was right.
2: <laughs> no, and, <laughs> and that it never leaked, that it never yeah. leaked like that's something else that Marvel really needs gets credit for is you know there's other studios and franchises who shall remain nameless that they they're they're a dumpster fire of pr leaks um marvel <laughs> the, the fact that they could keep certain things about this movie and avengers 4 under wraps and not once leak anywhere anywhere is yeah. like floors me like that's amazing to me of course it also helps they did not let tom holland read any of the script like at all <laughs> uh, but like none of that leaked
4: You've transitioned into my the question I wanted to ask last on the podcast. Look at that, which <laughs> exactly. is Which is how do you advertise Avengers four, and how do you advertise Spider Man two? Because you've got a movie that comes out, um, and you can't really ha- like. What the hell are they gonna do when it comes to marketing, besides what we all wish they would do, which is just like Netflix it. <laughs> Not put it on Netflix. I mean, like, not advertise it. Just put it in theaters when it's ready.
2: Avengers four, it's it all ends. That's that's how the angle you have to play. It's it all ends. Oh. It's all coming to an end. Everything they've been building up for ten years. It's it's. This is the final bow. This is the. Wasn't swan that song. the
0: marketing for this movie though?
2: I don't really feel like it. I feel like this was the lead up, to the to the fight. Like I feel like this was, like this is the fight of your lives. Like, this is the biggest mm. battle you'll ever face. But the next movie is this is the ending of that fight, the aftermath of that fight. But, Mike, I, it's,
1: so, I would but, love it if there were no trailers at all. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah
2: I would really love that, too. I, I mean, let's be honest. It's Marvel. We all
4: want that, but it's not going to happen.
2: Yeah, so, it's Marvel. They're gonna market the shit out of it, but, but yeah. so
4: so do they? Do they go? Do you think they're gonna go double time on what they did with this one and just straight up make a fake movie that they advertise? Because that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean they they did cool. they didn't make a fake movie for this, but they they snuck a few things in there. Like they, there's the Guardians shot where two of the characters are actually with Thor on the other side of the camera, but all the Guardians are together in the advertisement when the the woman's waving goodbye. So like they threw. They threw everything out there to, to keep the trail hidden. And they're going to really have to do that on this one.
2: To be fair, they've done that with a few movies. They did the same thing with Spider-Man Homecoming. There was that shot uh, of Iron Man and Spider-Man like swinging through New York yep. City. Yep. That They literally shot that just for the trailer. They never intended to have that in the movie. And there was the shot of him um, and uh, what's-her-name-almost-kissing uh, Liz, that also, they decided not to have that. Like, so there, Marvel has been doing that, where they deliberately uh, put uh, fake scenes in, or scenes they know are going to get cut, and they 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 cut it incorrectly. Because even in the the uh, trailer for Infinity War, there was that scene where it looked like the reunion between uh, Black Widow and uh, Natasha and Bruce was like in Wakanda, like on that mm-hmm. field, because that was another yeah. thing they never showed. Uh, so I mean, that's definitely something that Marvel's been doing a lot lately. I think Marvel's I think Marvel's uh, M.O. at this point is in the first phase it was, we're going to lay out the entire plot of the movie for you so you get on board with superheroes. Now it's, you know the Marvel brand. You know what we bring to the table. You know it's going to be a good movie. We're just giving you the tone and the theme to get you emotionally hooked.
4: But then what do they this do is... for Spider-Man? Like well, How do you I... market a movie they... that comes out a few months after this one comes out where you can't? Like, you can't. They have to do a teaser at some point. They have to market it before Avengers Four, right? I think that I think they can trust the audience
0: enough to say that we know Spider Man's probably back in New York, and that they give us enough of a hint at his storyline. And like, are you saying that you you like we would know what happens to Spider Man because they're gonna tease the Spider Man movie?
3: Do
1: you know? Do at least they of Homecoming too?
2: I also wonder
1: if isn't it late next year? Clippers state next year that they don't need to do
4: anything until after Avengers. No, 4 has been released. sorry, July fifth next year. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two months after.
2: I I feel like, and I almost feel like the only character you could follow up Avengers four with is Spider Man because he is the levity and he is the 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 light of the the Marvel universe right now, um, and he's going to be profoundly changed, but like. I think you need, like, I feel like there was a good, it was good timing to have Thor Ragnarok before Black Panther and Infinity War. Uh, because it was like, get your laughs in now because the next two movies are not going to be, you know, that, that <laughs> although Black Panther did have laughs. But but I wonder if, like, it's it's symbolically fitting, I think, that Marvel is going to go out in this huge bang with Avengers 4 and then go back to its flagship character. Yeah. in spider-man like the character that started it all really you know that the marvel's known for yeah uh, and that it's tom holland who you know is the ray of sunshine is the one that's kind of like okay we'll get through this guys like i know we're all mourning right now but so i feel like it's kind of symbolic that it's it's uh the very next movie after it all ends will be starting with spider-man
0: well don't forget that the spider-man movie is actually sony it's not a disney movie so it's a different company so that makes it also a different marketing um, and while Disney oh, is clearly, true. while Marvel's involved, it's still a whole different boat, but I would imagine, oh. like, like put it, pitch it this way. Like, what if this is a Marvel's, total, what?
2: Marvel's not involved uh, in the way that, like...
1: Sony market.
2: They, they're, Marvel's involved. Marvel has creative control over everything. I mean, they, they they're kind of giving the credit to Sony, but that's all Marvel. Like that's all. No, I know, Marvel. but I'm
0: saying, but I'm saying, Sony is all doing the marketing. That's
4: are they? Are but they're probably just slapping their their brand on it. I mean, they, at this point, I'm sure Marvel has spent the money to make Sony, um, a bystander who gets the gets some credit. Like they, there's Not no it, chance no. Marvel Sony is going is, to leave no. Sony. Do you know, movie studios. No, no. Do you know no. movie
0: studios? They're so egotistical that Sony would never let that happen. No, this comes, is
1: their so, brand. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to marketing. Sony, you can tell that Sony are marketing Spider-Man because the marketing is bad. Yeah, No,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so Marvel has a hand in it because if you look at this marketing for Homecoming, that was more Marvel than Sony. And if you look at the marketing for Venom, that's Sony. Although I will say the uh, trailer for uh, Into the Spider-Verse is amazing, but cool. awesome. Marvel has way more um, creative control over it than... than than you'd think, because they they got Sony at a really vulnerable time, and so Sony kind of had to bite the bullet.
0: But here's a a theory. I have no idea if this is real or not, or it connects with anything, but what if the Venom movie ends with, like, Spider-Man realizing Venom is coming to New York, and then Homecoming is Spider-Man vs. Venom?
1: It won't. (laughs) because those are are both sony
0: things but i
4: i don't know i think they made it pretty clear originally although i don't believe anything anyway says anymore that they're not connected there's a rumor that
0: spider-man is
4: makes an appearance in venom and they're both sony properties
2: Nah, mm -mm. if anything the crossover will be into the spider-verse yeah. Do you want to like place?
1: Do we want to place like a podcast bet on
2: this? let's do it. I'm
1: I'm happy to take your money, mate. So we're good.
2: <laughs> I okay. think if there is a crossover, it's gonna be with Miles and Peter, not Venom and Peter. I just don't see those tones. I, I just don't see that working. Like it'd be like throwing Peter Parker like the like uh, somebody asked, like where's during the defenders they're like where's Peter Parker So I'm like Peter Parker would be traumatized like he could not handle the Netflix universe like he is not ready to hang out with Punisher mm. and Daredevil um, no. but I feel like if I wouldn't be surprised I what I would love to see is the end of the spider verse the end of it turns into live action like a cool world kind of thing and then he jumps into our world here like Marvel's like the MCU you know Earth MCU or whatever
4: that would be fucking nuts and I would it's be not gonna all, ab- would be all for it. that's
2: my headcanon. Yeah, it's <laughs> we, never going to ha- That's It's my headcanon. Yeah, we well, should.
4: the Lego movie set that precedent. Uh, last thoughts, okay. I had a couple of things that I wrote down in my notes that I wanted to talk about. And we're not going to talk about them. I'm just going to f- spitfire them. And then you guys just <laughs> other things we haven't talked about that you would have wanted to talk about. Or we can just like rapid fire, okay? Bubbles. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. But that the, self-explanatory. But yeah. That was awesome. I've laughed very hard, and I'm now very curious about his backstory <laughs> with bubbles. Um, Cause once, like once one is one things, thing. Twice, twice is yeah. another. Yeah. That's an that's a thing. I thought Ebony Ma was actually my favorite character in this movie. Um, the the, entire movie? yes the religious zealot I thought the performance and the writing was so compelling and weird and creepy that I'm just obsessed with it I love it so much I get that Thanos is the best character in the movie probably or maybe Spider-Man or Doctor Strange I I don't know Thor I know they're the best characters in the film but I had the most fun watching Ebony Maw I don't know what it was about the performance or just the creepiness of it I just thought it was super cool
2: he was the one uh, of the Black Order that I was most looking forward to. Um, I kind of am bummed that they really nerfed the Black Order because man, the Black Order got their asses kicked easily, and I was like, that is not what should have happened. But I understand why they did. Um,
4: yeah, they kind but... of did the old uh, the old Man of Steel thing. Uh, they felt they felt very very derivative of that.
2: Ebony Maw is almost like a Loki, but like without Loki's occasional moments of morality. And (laughs) well, that's
4: interesting because I kind of got the sense that he had his own morality, which was an interesting dichotomy. Um, He just, he was so, he was so, he had such a strong belief of what he was doing. Like it wasn't just a thing, felt like he was legitimately the man who he believed he was that he was saying all these things and letting people free and whatever like a religious zealot i thought that was a cool thing and having no history with the comics probably helped my interpretation of what he was there for but uh, i just i I don't know i'd like to talk more about him with people in the future but i'm sure that's pretty much long gone from people's minds the other thing okay i thought it was super cool the way they did the slow reveal of the spaceship attack on New York. Mm-hmm. It, it was so, it was so reminiscent of like that nine eleven feeling that you get that movies tried to capture where you like, this is yeah. the sense of a, of an attack happening, but you're not just cutting to the spaceship landing and people screaming. Like that was so raw and, and unique. And I just, I want to watch it over and over and over again. I thought it was really well done. Um, uh, another thing was and what do you guys think about this do you think that the movie was a meta interpretation of marvel being having grown unchecked and needing a rebalancing because it has too many characters <laughs> no but so i so like that
2: <laughs> i mean i i don't think it was meta in the sense that it was like oh this is symbolic i think it was just physical that they were like we cannot it's getting too unwieldy like we need to pare down um and uh i mean we already have you know fans have been complaining for like years now like why aren't the netflix characters showing up in the marvel movies it's like well there's a whole other thing there with like the studio and the tv sides hate each other and that's just not going to happen let it go um but i think at a certain point you know i i think they've known for a while like we can only get to a certain point like a saturation point and then we have to kind of reset because we can't we can't sustain this interconnectivity as much, you know, anymore. Like maybe they build up to another big event. I don't know. Um, Cause there are certainly plenty of events to choose from, but but it does work as a meta event. Um, but I don't think we're going to have fewer characters. We're just going to have different characters.
4: And, and last is a, a question. Is it possible that the mirror dimension will come into play with the next movie and where they went? No. <laughs> uh, No, because
1: Doctor Strange is gone. Uh, He's the guy with the access to the mirror dimension. Um, But he had a
4: spell on that thing, didn't he? Yeah. What was the spell? We never saw it unfold, unfold, right?
1: Well, when he's fighting
4: Thanos, which is very, very
1: cool, right there, by the way, because Doctor Strange seriously leveled up since his first movie, which is awesome. Um, I mean, he's doing complex spells on the fly, fighting Thanos, which is great. Um, but, yeah, one of those spells he does is he sort of... I think he counters a Thanos attack with the mirror dimension, um, and he uses it once. But as I say, I, there's there's not... Well, Wong is still around... Uh, so maybe, but
4: yeah, I, 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 I predict no. Okay. <laughs> Those yeah. were all my little tidbit thoughts. I wanted to rapid fire to you guys. So other last I, thoughts I would... that you guys have uh, that we, that we, that we can talk about.
1: I was going to add when we were talking about Ebony, Ebony Moore, the thing that got me about him is that his movements are so nonchalant, which makes it look all the more powerful. And cool. Like when Iron Man uh, sort of blasts call obsidian and he's on the collision course with Ebony Moore, Ebony just swipes him to the side easily. Um it's movements like that which just made me think, okay, this guy is seriously powerful and not one to be trifled with. I do agree with Alicia and that I would have liked to see to have seen the Black Order uh, been uh developed a little bit more uh you don't really see i mean some of the black color aren't even named i don't mm-hmm. think corpus glaive is named i don't think call obsidian is named i don't think proxima midnight is named um which is a shame because those characters are really really cool at least what do you have any final uh
2: i don't think so um uh, there's there's a theory going around that that they're all trapped in the soul stone and so and i so i'm wondering obviously like we know that um doctors I, as, as i said 10 minutes ago i'm not going to try to speculate on what happens and then i speculate on what's going to happen um <laughs> you're going to be doing this for over a year yeah, Doctor <laughs> Strange. he you know he's the only one that saw the end game like and and as we said like he handed over the, the time stone and and he was like fine letting star lord do what he did because this is how it had to unfold because they're so far we can uh, uh, believe they're on the path to getting they're on the right path for now which means that he knew he was going to disintegrate and he was fine with that so what i'm wondering is if it's not even as much about the characters who are left uh it's just as much about the characters who disappeared because maybe they all get zapped like the Soulstone plane if that's the case, I feel like Doctor Strange is the only one who could get them out. Like he's like it's almost like you know like allowing yourself to be arrested because you're the only one that can stage a jailbreak. I feel like that's I feel like Doctor Strange allowed himself to be captured because he knows that he's the only one that at least is on that side of things that has the ability to either connect with the people on the other side or get them out of there or you know do, do whatever wizard stuff he does to to spring them out. But I'm I'm so intrigued by Dr. Strange. I really want to just sit Scott Derrickson down and be like, do you know things? Can you tell me?
0: Uh, <laughs> he, he probably does, he, but he can't he tell
2: Yeah. Well, I'll, DM, oh, I'll DM and be like, Scott, you have to tell me. Um, but yeah, well, so I'm, I'm so intrigued by like what Dr. Strange knows that we don't and the characters don't.
1: Well, Dr. Strange has seen Avengers 4, the lucky bastard. Um, <laughs> He's
2: already so, seen it you know He's actually the only script i bet. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, he... He was actually one of the few that only wants to read the script because he needed to know what happened because Doctor Strange plays such a uh, key role. And he said that in one of his interviews that he was one of the very few that read the whole – that got to read the whole real script from the beginning
4: yeah.
2: Um, because he had to know.
4: You mean Benedict was doing that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I want to reiterate this. I highly recommend re-watching Doctor Strange because – because it's awesome. Because, yes, it's a great movie, but I felt – and I love when movies do this, it is it is why I watch franchises. I, um, it had very new meaning. Everything had new meaning for me watching it after Infinity War. Because that movie is all about the spiritual p- plane. It's all about death. It's all about... It's, all, it's a very spiritual movie, as we know. But when you put that in the context of what we know, and the fact that that's technically the only precursor for the character of Dr. Strange and what he's about, I, I really think that, that that's going to hold the key. The, the key to uh, to the, the finality of what's going on here is in that movie, in a spiritual sense, in a writing sense, not in an actions or in an Easter egg sense. But but I really think that what drives the character of Dr. Strange is all in that movie, and I think it's something that we are really going to be able to explore. And I wouldn't even be surprised To see a reprisal from the Grandmaster—is that what she's called? Oh, the Ancient
2: One, the Ancient One. The Ancient One.
4: I wouldn't even be surprised to see the Ancient One somehow involved in wherever they are now. Like, I'm very curious, and I and and having rewatched it, it invigorated me with thoughts. I love thinking about what. I love theorizing. I know that's not really something everybody likes to do, and I know it pisses people off to even do it sometimes. But it's what it, I dig it. I, I think it's really fun. And the only way I, I can do it is by accepting the fact that I'm probably wrong about everything. I just like to fill in that void with ideas. And, and if I'm right, cool. I'm not going to say I was right because no one would believe me anyway. I just, I, just, <laughs> I just think it's fun. So it's been fun to kind of talk through some of those ideas here. But I'd be curious what you guys think if you rewatch Doctor Strange, knowing what we know now.
2: Yeah, I I definitely love that movie. Um I'm just sad that we'll never get more interaction between him and Loki again because I love I love their yeah. dynamic.
1: Um They use the same spell in this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. I uh one thing I do think we might see a little scene, uh, is I would not be surprised if we saw Loki again, but in a um Uh, like in a a vision, no, not in a a flashback, like a vision, like uh, it's like Thor's dying or whatever, and like Loki and Odin and Frigga or whatever welcome him to Valhalla or something, assuming Loki gets there, uh, which is a really a toss up. He's probably going, he's probably going straight to Helheim. (laughs) I mean, honestly, he's probably, or (laughs) rather, but still, um, but Loki could probably talk his way into letting the gods allow him to be in Valhalla, who knows, um. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got one last scene, even if it's like a voiceover or like a like a vision with Loki and uh, Thor to have that like final closure.
1: You think Thor dies?
2: Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it might not be like him dying, but it might be like the scene we saw in Ragnarok where Marvel likes to do like the visions a lot. Like, and then I had a vision of my dead father. And then I found strength, or my my dead parent. And then I found the strength to go on, which is kind of a weird thing that Marvel does. Uh, but like they did in you know Ragnarok, where he like all of a sudden like warps like the weird astral plane, and Odin's like, "You can do it, my son." He's like, "I can, Dad." And then all of a sudden he has the power of lightning. Um, So I I wouldn't be surprised if like there was a little scene where he's like down on the ropes and then it's a little interlude with Loki and Loki's just being snarky as hell. Like, Jesus, you know, like, come on, (laughs) get up. You're stronger than this. You know, like, must I come back and do everything for you? Blah, 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 blah. And then he, um, and then there's that brotherly rivalry that carries him through. I would, I would love to see a scene like that. But again, that's just my own Mm headcanon.
1: So, I mean, as awesome, and I mean awesome, as that Thor moment is, I got questions about it. So I know that you know, Thor now has the power of the Bifrost thanks to Stormbreaker. How does he know to go to Wakanda? And if sort of he's after Thanos and he apparently now has the sight to sort of beam beam anywhere he wants to with pinpoint accuracy, why not just beam to Titan where Thanos is?
0: Is that just like a timing thing? I thought he only got it just in time to go to Wakanda. Oh, yeah, no, you mean? No, 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 oh, saying, I see what you're saying. Why? Like right before Thanos goes to Wakanda, he could have uh, gone.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, he could have gone to Titan where Thanos. He wanted is. to save his friends. Okay? That's where
4: the cameras were.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at it. It's, it's, just, it's <laughs> one It might be my favorite. It might genuinely, genuinely be my new favorite moment in the MCU. Um, it was that awesome for me. Um, but I did have some sort of questions for that. The other question I had is that where does Infinity War rank for you guys in MCU? I put it I put it as my fourth after Civil War's number one, Winter Soldiers number two, Black Panthers number three, Infinity War's number four currently. But I've only watched it once. It might change.
0: I don't have a list, but I would put it in the middle. <laughs> this is probably gonna get me a lot of hate mail, but I. <laughs>
4: Do we get mail?
0: Do we get emails? No, but you know what I mean. It was a it was a metaphorical thing. I know. A lot of listener hate thoughts that will never be translated into actual messages. But um, just because I love so many other movies, purely like I still love Iron Man, the first one. I mean, it's the
1: best Iron Man movie. Yeah,
0: but um,
4: yeah, that's that's my thought.
2: I I'm out of (laughs) thoughts for now. (laughs)
4: Yeah, and and I don't really have much of an answer either. I I think it's way up there for me, but uh, it's it's such a different movie than all the other ones. Like it's hard to compare that to a Captain yeah. America Civil War, where it's it's so much more localized. I, I I think probably if I'm gonna answer you without answering you, probably Captain Marvel will be my favorite. Uh, Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, cheeky. <I'm> fairly certain. <laughs> so yeah
2: Yeah, it's it's hard to pick i mean it's it's like comparing apples and oranges which is why like the whole definitive rankings of like i always hate those i kind of hate rankings because they're so subjective um and it's hard for me because maybe sometimes i want to watch the ragnarok because i just want to laugh but then i really love winter soldier and you know so it, it just really it just depends on my mood really
4: yeah. yeah, and and I love Iron Man three. Like I watched it the other day, and I was watching. I was like, "This is one of my favorite ones in this in this whole thing." And then I'll watch something else, and be like, "No, oh, this is one of my favorite ones." Or yeah. Ant Man's on TNT for some reason, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is so good." It's just they're yeah. all they're all enjoyable, and they do they find a way to not need or not not need rankings in the way that I think a lot of us want, or the way that like the. DC movies feel like they can be ranked. I, I think that's just because the parody Ooh. is so thin. It's Wonder Dude.
1: Woman 1, everything else, easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to answer your question, Mike, the only other last point I wanted to mention um, was uh, something I mentioned to you the very first time I saw it, which is as a, as a sci-fi geek, which is my favorite genre, I was so amazed and happy that this movie is like a pure space opera. Uh, more than any other Marvel movie. I mean they go to like ten planets in this movie. There's tons of spaceship scenes. There's tons of space travel. Family drama. It's, yeah, it's it's a little bit more sci-fi than it is comic book movie. I mean it's clearly comic book superhero movie, but like I, I actually felt like this movie more than anything, which ever since Guardians the Marvel has kind of been leading that way. Even even uh, Thor Ragnarok is more sci-fi than anything. Um, but I, this is just like a full on space opera, which considering for Disney, the amount of money they make on space operas, that's totally fine for them. That's, they're kind of like banking on billions and billions of money on that. So that's my only last thought on Avenger.
2: And honestly, that's kind of why Dr. Strange is so important. It's because he is the, he's the central hub that straddles the cosmic end of things and he straddles the earthbound end of things. And he'll also, he's also the mystical and supernatural end of things. So he kind of ties every single one of those different, um, uh, quadrants of the Marvel universe together.
4: All right. So I think we covered about everything. (laughs) Yeah um alicia how can people how can people uh speak to you further about what is your twitter and where do we where do they read
2: they they can find me on twitter um as you all know i am quite active and opinionated on twitter uh it's at alicia Grosso. and
0: you write for a bunch of places right
2: <laughs> i do i write for yeah forbes film school rejects birth movies death yeah
1: cool
0: and aman where do we find you
1: you can find me in Wakanda. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at A woman n, And uh, yeah, I write for Empire Magazine. I'm in the latest issue. Um, I also write for Den of Geek, Vozilla, and a few other websites. Cool.
0: And I want to throw a shout out, Aman. you made an awesome movie montage. Uh, it's totally badass. It's very well edited because you know how to edit very well. And that's rhymes. No. Um, but no, <laughs> I, you put out a great summer movie montage that uh, everyone should check out. It's on YouTube, I think, and it's on a bunch of sites and it's on your Twitter. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, watch it. It will get you more excited for all the big movies this summer.
4: Thanks, man. Appreciate Ditto it. You on that. It was awesome. Thanks, Mike. Where do we find you? Nowhere Eisen thirty on on Twitter. And um hey, maybe uh, also follow my documentary, Two Eras Human Doc, on Twitter. Um I'm gonna do that now. Since
0: Hopefully things hopefully are starting gets to a
4: theatrical up. release soon. I, I doubt it. But uh, no. things are things are picking up. We'll say okay. that um, okay. but I'm not expecting my documentary to reach theaters when well, hopefully a VOD
0: release soon, yeah. in which everyone can watch it.
4: Yeah, there you go. Oh shit, that reminds me, I'm supposed to tell the distributor we're gonna use, we're gonna go with them today. <laughs> oh shit, wow. I hope they don't retract the offer. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, thank
0: you, Alicia, and thank you, Amon, for having, uh, giving your time to come on the show today. I'm really glad we could have you guys. This was this was great, and I feel like we could have just kept talking for eight more hours, but um... let's do it. <laughs> so if you want to keep listening, uh, continue here. <laughs>
2: Instead of one of the, uh, we, could, we should just do one of those next year. We should do like all 19 movies to date. Just do a marathon. But then I'm just podcast so, the whole time.
4: I'm so good. Yeah.
2: For, charity. 35, for charity. A
4: 35 hour live commentary.
2: And then we can podcast for charity and stream it. And then it'll be a whole thing.
4: <laughs> yeah it's been great having you guys. Yeah, thank,
2: thank you. Yeah, time. thanks thank for you. having us. Absolutely.
0: And uh, for our listeners, our next episode will be about Solo Star Wars story, which is mm-hmm. remarkably premiering in just a few weeks. Because um, normally we get Star Wars movies in December, but this one opens
4: in May. So that will Stand be our next by. discussion. Stand you know, by, my so, claim. Yeah. It's gonna be good. <laughs> I do too. I've got a. And I'll just lie to now. myself if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not all right well, thanks guys Thank and you.
3: yeah
0: we'll see you next time
4: yeah bye adios bye.